Teen Miles Morales becomes Spider-Man of his reality and crosses paths with five counterparts from other dimensions when the Kingpin opens a rift that threatens to destroy Miles' reality. All the while, he juggles school, a tough relationship with his father, and coming to terms with who he is. Welcome to another feature presentation of Midnight Double Feature, and on this episode, we'll be covering Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, directed by Peter Ramsey, Bob Persichetti, and Rodney Roth. Hey guys, welcome back to another feature presentation episode of Midnight Double Feature. I'm here with my man, Colin. Colin, what's up, Danger? (laughs) (laughs) What's up, buddy? What's happening? What's what's cracking? Are you excited to cover Spider Man? Finally, uh, like our first Spider Man episode. Yeah, it's super weird. It's kind of like, um, you know, it's like when we did Batman Returns. You were like, this is not the the kind of room that I thought we were going to be talking about this character in first on the show. But you know, I'm, I'm I don't hate it. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like you think you're going to start with like Sam Raimi, you know, or you're going to start with like the first eighty nine Batman, but. Ultimately, it's like, I don't hate it. You know, it's they're still very good movies. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, for me, it's more like, how the fuck did it take 125 episodes for it's, for us to cover Spider-Man? Like, because we're smart and we get the movies we don't love out of the way first. That's that's where that's where these other podcasts fuck up and cover really good shit right off the rip. You can't do them twice, motherfucker. That's right. We have a little bit of a blacklist uh, <laughs> that we don't of movies that we not we're not touching yet, mostly because we're not fucking confident. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Now there's so many of them now. Like shit that I've done that I'm like I should have saved that man. Like I'm so much more <laughs> hesitant about them now. Like you, you live and you learn, though. You know. Well, so they're they're slowly starting to creep out and honestly without uh tipping my hand too much maybe this is one of them maybe this is one of them yeah uh but guys thank you so much for joining us for another feature presentation of midnight double feature as you've just heard we're going to be covering spider-man into the spider-verse today really excited for this one thank you for joining us we have uh please follow us on our uh, please follow us on our socials jesus christ i can't talk i'm so giddy dude like i I can't (laughs) i can't wait to talk about this movie and plus like i'm also a little bit under the weather so there's a little bit of that going on too but we're on Facebook. We've got our main page on Facebook, which is Midnight Double Feature. And then we also have our group, which is called The After Party. Uh, that's where we post memes, news, and teasers of what's to come here on Midnight Double Feature. That's a great little community that we have going on. So please go ahead and follow that. Uh, we're on Instagram, which is at Midnight Double Feature. We're on Twitter, which is at MDF Pod. Uh, we are available pretty much everywhere. You can listen to us on YouTube, Spotify. We're on iTunes, obviously. So yeah, please go and do that. And, uh, Please rate and review us on iTunes. We would love to know what you guys think of our podcast here. We, we'd love to know what we're doing wrong, where we're fucking up. Just just please remember to give us some feedback because that would that's the best way to you know improve the show. But look, without any further ado, Colin, what do you think? I think I already know your thoughts because this is one of the rare movies, one of the rare recent movies that we've actually already kind of done reviews on, uh, on our upcoming attractions segments, right? So I think I already know what you think about this movie, uh, but go ahead, hit me. Well, before I get into that, ladies and gentlemen, my co-host Zoheb Ali is finally a lawyer. 
I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta give credit where credit's due. I know it's been seven long years. You finally don't have to fuck with this shit anymore. Um, so I just want to <laughs> say, tip of the hat, you know, uh, to my co-host Zoheb for finally, finally getting in, indoctrinated in the world of scummy pieces of shit. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'll just take my bow and I'll take my check now, please. Thank you You're so right. much. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, very proud of you, man. I had to throw that in there. Um, awesome. But um, getting back to the movie, uh, no, I. <laughs> I really enjoyed this movie. I actually went and saw it with our other co-host, Danny. Uh, it was really odd. You know, I don't really go see movies with a lot of people besides Lindsay. And I was like, oh, hey, you know, and, and I'm glad I saw it with him because <clears throat> it reminds me of a lot of the stuff that we kind of grew up with. A interesting artwork, kind of like R&B, video game, comic book, like kind of feel. And Danny admittedly is a lot more on the up and up with like R&B stuff than I am. I'm, I'm just not a huge fan of it, of like rap, R&B, anything in that kind of like genre. It's just not my cup of tea, you know. Uh, I'm not saying I don't, I'm not saying I hate it. It's just not really, I, you know, I fuck, I can rap motherfucking California love right now. But there's <laughs> only a few, there's only a, a handful of rap songs that I really love. And I think that this movie does a great job of seamlessly blending a lot, a lot of the things that we were into when we were first kind of like, and we made note of this when Danny and I did our coverage of this on the upcoming Attractants episode way back when, but it, rem it reminded us hardcore of this game called Jet Set Radio Future that we played when we were growing up. Great game. Um, you're just basically riding around on roller skates in Japan in the future, like tagging up signs and stuff. It's really a very, very, very unique game, and they used that matte style animation with a lot of stuff. It's the only thing I've ever seen that came close to this kind of style, if you will. I think that they do a, a great job of blending video game, film, comic book. You know, they do such a great job of, of blending all those things together. But also at the same time, they pay homage to a lot of that stuff and they make they make it their own at the same time. And that's so very hard to do when you're when you're referencing things like that, especially with a character like Spider-Man. I mean, there's been five movies in the last, what, 15 years that have come out before this one? Not, 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 not to mention four or five. Six shit. movies. Oh, six movies. Goddamn. Not to mention four or five, shit, probably like six or seven, like, cartoons and TV shows that have come out. Quite a bit of shit to kind of have that judged against. I was a huge fan of the animated uh, series in the 90s that I grew up watching. I think Matt and I have even talked about that a lot. But... I think this movie's fantastic. I think it does a really good job of uh, kind of laying off of Peter Parker for a while. We can keep his, we can keep him as an integral part of the story, but in Marvel Comics, the Spider-Verse is a very, I mean, it could be its own brand of comic books. There's so many different, there's, there's Spider-Man who are evil, there's Spider-Man who are good, there's Spider-Woman, there's Spider-Gwen, there's all these different interpretations of them. And I think that's so fantastic to kind of give the character a little bit of diversity, you know, not just strictly from like a, from like a racial standpoint or anything like that. It's not, that's not what I mean, just to give it a little bit of like, I don't know, a little bit of change up. You know, it's kind of like seeing Spider-Man in a new suit. Uh, it, I grew up playing the, the Spider-Man 2 game, I think on like GameCube or something. I loved that game. I thought it was so much fun because in the first one, you know, your feet couldn't even touch the ground. But in the second one, you could actually swing and run up on the, you know, swing down onto the street and run on taxi cabs and scoot back up. And I was like, this is amazing. Uh, the Spider-Man PS4 game is the only reason I'd buy a PS4. I'm an Xbox man. That and Last of Us. Those are the only two games I've ever really wanted to play. But apparently Last of Us is coming out on Xbox soon. So I'm looking forward to that. 
But I think this does a great job of being its own thing, paying homage to the comic books of older things um, and being its own unique story at the same time. It tweaks the little things right where they need to be tweaked, you know, with Doc Ock, with Aunt May, with with all these with all these different kind of things. And especially with with Morales as a character, his origin and how, how things are tweaked like here and there. I think they do an absolutely fantastic job. And. I'm glad that I was just like, you know, whatever, we're going to go see this movie. I'm just going to roll the dice and see how it is. And I'm so glad I did because I, I do love animated TV shows, Rick and Morty, Futurama, Family Guy, stuff like that. But usually the more, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider this a kid's movie. It's, it's a family movie. Adults can enjoy this. But these kind of more innocent kind of uh, animated stories, I'm not so much a fan of. I love adult animation. But that totally didn't matter here. It just it was like, like hentai. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love seeing, you know, in Hentai, they show you where the fourth hole is with the octopus. And it's just, it's fantastic. Um, no, I I think they do such a great job of even this, even though this doesn't have a lot of mature violence or language or anything, it has a lot of mature themes and they do such a great job of it's just like black tar and it gets a hold of your ass and just sucks you in and you're you're so invested in it by the end of it. I can remember, again, watching the animated series growing up. I can remember watching Spider-Man 2099. <laughs> I can remember all these cartoons of Spider-Man when I was when I was growing up. And I think, I really think those cartoons, because you got to think what, they did a Spider-Man like television show and then a dog shit movie back in the day. So I think the Spider-Man cartoons are really, I mean, you've got to really tip your hat to those because they really helped keep Spider-Man in the, in the, the, the current, the, you know, the current climate at that time. Um, and kind of help move him forward in that way, and I, I just think that's that's so awesome of them. And they definitely pay homage to the to the the Spider-Man animated series that I grew up watching with. The the comic book that this movie is based off was was directly inspired by that animated series. But that animated series was directly inspired by an older comic book from like the '80s. So it just goes on and on and on and on. And it, it's nice to see them just kind of transcending time. You know what I mean? But but I love it. I think it's great. It's, yeah, awesome, dude. Um, okay, I uh, dude, I don't even know where to start. Like, let's let's let let me let me talk about the character of Spider Man and my history with the character of Spider Man. So I didn't watch the cartoons because I was a shit lord back in the day. I was just like a fucking shit kid. The first exposure I had to Spider-Man was, I, I knew that Spider-Man existed before this, but I remember uh, Christmas, it must have been Christmas 2000, I or 2001, I got the VHS of Spider-Man, that first Raimi, Raimi movie. Nice. Um, obviously, I'd known Spider-Man as a character, but I was like, what? There's a movie about this? Like, what the fuck? And I remember, like, you know, everyone's, like, celebrating. Oh, it might not have been Christmas. Yeah, it was Christmas. Sorry. But I think, like, when we all, like, hung out as a family, it was, like, around New Year's. Like, that's when we all kind of got together. So everyone's, like, celebrating, like, the countdown and shit and, like, you know, Happy New Year. And I'm over here watching the Green Goblin find Peter Parker. And that was my first memory of it, dude. Like, I fell in love, obviously. Um, that, that first Raimi movie was just an absolute instant classic to me as a seven or eight-year-old, whatever the fuck I was back then. But, man, like, that that movie was just so fucking good to me. Um, and then the second one rolled around, and I just remember loving that one just as much. And then, like, you know, by the time you get to 2000, 2007 and it's Spider-Man 3, you're a bit older, and you're like, I like this, I think. <laughs> I think I like this. <laughs> now, those first two movies, uh, they uh, the first one hasn't aged particularly well. The second one's aged very well. 
um like the uh like we'll we'll get to it but like that that train sequence the the action scene like that that movie's known for that absolutely holds up dude like it it still looks fucking fantastic um now i haven't seen those movies that trilogy in a very long time so i don't know if it like holds up like like to 2019 maybe i watched a couple years ago but yeah i don't know so yeah man like after that like it's just it's become spider-man like like you know you either like because Spider-Man is an A-list Marvel character. It's not until 2008 where Iron Man is like born into the fold and the MCU is born where it's like, oh shit, there are like other massive Marvel characters that we don't know shit about. Um, but I mean, like Iron Man was a B-list Marvel character. Like he was not really, um, you know, in the forefront like 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 Spider-Man was. And so it was just kind of like, like if you're, if you're into Marvel characters, it was either X-Men or Spider-Man. Like if you're... You know, if you're a '90s kid who you know had their their teenager or adolescence um, moments in in the early 2000s, it was just those two, those two properties. <sighs> like when the MCU rolled around, it was just like, oh no, there's not going to be any Spider-Man movies and shit. But like, um, I mean, like you know what I think about the MCU, dude. Like I know you know that I fucking love that shit. <sighs> but then, but then Marvel got the rights back or somehow they brokered this deal with with sony and now they're able to have spider-man back in the mcu and honestly have you have you haven't seen homecoming have you okay so this is weird i bought the movie i finished spider-verse i went to the gym and i was like fuck it i actually put on homecoming watch probably about the first half hour of it um but I, I ended up come home getting distracted had some other shit to do but i really enjoyed it yeah yeah well uh it's it's tough because I'm I'm gonna do my best not to spoil it. Like I will not spoil Homecoming for you, and I will not spoil Far From Home for you as well because Far From Home I've seen twice now, um, and it's in cinemas as we speak. Like I remember, it's funny actually because like uh, one of our favorite episodes of um, one of our favorite podcasts. I hate you remember that Batman episode that Chris Chris loves. <laughs> Chris loves Batman, and he's talking about like how while they're recording that episode, there was a Batman movie in cinemas at that time. Um, I think it was. Uh, Justice League when they recorded that episode, or it could have even been um, could have even, could have even been um, Dawn of Justice or whatever the fuck Batman vs Superman. But like as we're recording this, there is a Spider Man movie in cinemas at the moment, and it's just kind of like this character who's just become popular culture. Like you cannot say hi to someone on the street and ask them who Spider-Man is and they have no idea who the fuck Spider-Man is. Like it is just ingrained in popular culture and it's just rare that there is, there are characters out there that are like, like this man. Like, so it's kind of like where, where do you, where do you start? (laughs) Like, you know, you've got, you've got, people's different generations of Spider-Man. Like you've got Sam Raimi's Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire. You've got, Okay, and look, they're not successful movies, but you've got the Garfield movies, right? Like the, those two movies. And then mm-hmm. now you've got Tom Holland's um, Spider-Man. Now, we will get to uh, – we posted a poll uh, on our social media um, in the after party asking who the best Spider-Man is. We'll get to those results shortly. Probably probably best left towards the, best, uh, towards the end of the episode, actually. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people had a lot of thoughts about those, about who's who's the best. So we'll get to that. In my opinion, I think it is Tom Holland. Um, Tom Holland for me, man, like just the way he steals, just the way he plays this character of Peter Parker. It's just so it feels unique. Like it feels like he is a 15 slash 16 year old who just kind of like stumbled into this. And he's just like running away from the responsibility of it all. And um, he's just constantly pushed back into it. It's just it, Tom Holland is amazing. The character of Miles Morales is completely different, but at the same time, not different. 
I've got a I've actually got a funny story for you, Colin, um, as to how this character Miles Morales was created, and I'll, I'll get to that. Sorry, I, I know I'm like fucking. I think stumbling I know, I think I know this actually. I'm pretty sure I know. Yeah, I'm. Pr- if I can, I take a whack at it here. <coughs> yeah, hit me. I read because it's what Brian Michael Bendis is yep. who created him through the comic. Um, that yep. apparently he saw a shot of Donald Glover in Community, where he's got the Spider-Man yep. PJs that's, on, and, and he was like, "Oh, that's a cool image," and just kind of took. It, is that right? That's part of it. Yeah. So I, I I knew that part of it while I was watching this movie uh, back at the end of 2018 last year, but. Uh, there was a piece of you know what I'm just gonna fucking tell you right like we're we're, we're already here so Batman on Batman uh Mark Bernard and Kevin Smith we are I love Kevin Smith as as uh, you know already uh but Mark Bernard is his co-host on that uh podcast uh, yeah. that's called that's called Fat Man Beyond now it's a great great podcast they just released their episode you know they just reviewed um Spider Man Far From Home and I can't remember how they got into it but Mark Bernard um, started talking about Miles, the character of Miles. And it was surprising to me that Miles was only created in 2011. Like, I always thought that he was, he'd was he been around for a while now, but I guess yeah, not. Yeah, it, it feels that way for sure. Absolutely. So, Mark Bernardin has he cut he's he's got some fucking credits, dude. Like, he used to write for The Hollywood Reporter. He used to write for... Um, Oh God, I'm forgetting now. Uh, uh, EW, uh, but in 2011 he was working for a pretty famous website called IO9, um, and he wrote an essay on that website. So this was during the time in 2011, just before the 2012 The Amazing Spider-Man film with uh, Andrew Garfield, that the reboot, and Hollywood were looking for the next Spider-Man, uh, and, and then you know they came out with this short list of actors who could portray Peter Parker, white actors, plain white actors who could portray right. Peter Parker. Mark Bernard being a person of color was, <laughs> he's like, why, why does Spider-Man have to be another white guy? Like, you mm-hmm. know, cause, and on the episode of the podcast, I know I'm butchering it, but like he goes on to explain his thoughts of it. Like I haven't read the essay, but it is, it is interesting because the character of Peter Parker comes from a broken home in poverty and he lives in Queens. Like there's nothing about that that should make him inherently white. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, so, so all people of color must come from broken homes and live in Queens, though, Heb? Is that what we're saying <laughs> hey, here? Hey, hey, that's 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 Mark Bernard's fucking situation, too. Like, I got <laughs> Well, he's from the Bronx, so I don't, um, like, I'm just fucking word vomiting what he said. Um, uh-huh. He no, said the kidding. last thing Spider-Man should be is another white guy. Like, literally, quote for quote, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um and when he wrote that um, essay, dude, he got death threats. Like he got so much, so much fucking vitriol and hate. Like he he talks about how he was getting like actual death threats in the mail. Um, you know, like he like he got people telling him if you go to this convention, fucking watch out. He even like talks about like how he like considered going to the fucking FBI and shit. Like, <laughs> what, what is what are these fucking people gonna do? Put on their fucking Naruto headbands, head headbands, and run anime style at them from across the convention center? Like, <laughs> fuck you, dude! What are you gonna do? You'll have to hit your inhaler because of asthma halfway to fucking tackling me, dude. The character of Spider Man has been around since longer than Star Wars, and um, the most aggressive fandom that I can think of is Star Wars. So I can imagine. To be honest, so well. The hilarious thing is nobody has a problem. Nobody has a problem with literally 
Peter Parker getting killed off. In the comic books, Doc Ock swaps bodies with him, and Otto Octavius is Spider-Man for a limited time. Nobody has a problem with that. But, yep. of course, it, it gets retconned immediately, and Peter Parker comes back, blah, 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 yeah. yada, yada. But, like, dude, this is Spider-Man is notorious for alternate dimensions. It was a huge part. Secret Wars, the animated series, I mean, all of this stuff, it, there's no reason why. I find it more odd that they're every single one of them is a white guy named Peter Parker. If if, an, if there's an infinite, exactly. re, infinite amount of realities where this happens, the odds of that happening to someone who's, you know, black or white or straight or gay or male or female or whatever, like that's eventually going to happen. And, and I mean, I prefer it's like, hey, it doesn't even happen in the U.S. It doesn't always have to be New York. You know, I'd love to see a Russian Spider-Man, you know, or you know, somebody from Australia, like an Australian Spider-Man. That'd be awesome. It'd be really cool. Like, that's just dumb, man. That's just people like... Let's make Spider-Man great again. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's exactly what it is, man. It's just people like being being absolutely precious um, about something that they like. And look, I I get that mentality of being of being precious about something that you like because you like it and you don't want it to change. But like that's. That's always going to happen. Things are always changing. So, well, just and it doesn't. Like, yeah. You, you're, for God's sakes, Peter Parker is in this movie twice. <laughs> like, God damn it, we're not taking anything away from you. We're we're right. having these characters exist side by side together. Like, there's no reason for it, man. Just like exactly. chill, you know. Well, after he got the death threats, <laughs> it was actually Mark Bernardin who suggested Donald Glover as um as 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 Peter Parker, and people liked that. People actually like you know, people actually took to it and suggested that Donald Glover play Peter Parker, and Donald Glover was like, "No, I'm not having this. Like, I'm not playing Peter Parker." Um, and then, like, he he kind of like you know had a little bit of a jab at it in Community. Like, he wore these pajamas, Spider Man pajamas, and Brian Michael Bendis looked at that and said, "I I really like that. I am going to create my own character. I'm going to name him Miles. I'm going to name him Miles Morales, and basically he's just going to be Peter Parker, except." Except with a few sort of different changes and things like that, and then that's that's what happened. Like if you look at it, it's pretty pretty fucking similar, strikingly similar to Peter Parker, no? Yeah, I yeah I think so. I I do. I'm not gonna lie. I I think I would have because who who now I'm gonna draw a blank on the name of who does Miles uh, Shamik Moore. Um, Shamik I have Moore, no yeah. idea. Who, I have no idea who the young man is. I don't know any of. Have his you seen Dope? Uh no, but I know what you're talking about. All right, yeah, dope's dope's a good movie. He plays the lead in dope. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, nothing against him. He does a fine job, but I mean, this kind of should have been Donald Glover's movie. I I think that Donald Glover, because he's in Homecoming for a bit, isn't he? From what I've read, he has like a bit of a cameo or something in Homecoming. Yeah, so he's he. It's not really a cameo. He's he actually plays a character. He plays um he 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 plays Aaron Aaron. Aaron right. in this movie. So he plays the Prowler, someone who would become the Prowler. Right, right. Okay. That, I thought that's what I read. I didn't get that far in the movie. But no, I, 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 part of me does think it's a shame because I know that Donald Glover is a huge fan of Spider-Man. And if it's one of those things where it'd be so nice to see the person who, you know, it's kind of like with Sam Jackson, they remodeled Nick Fury to look like Sam Jackson. So obviously they get Sam Jackson to play him in the movie. And it's like, well, I get it. It's just an animated thing, but I still, I wouldn't mind seeing it, but there's still, I mean, there's an infinite number of realities. There's no reason why at some point there couldn't be an older black Spider-Man who's Donald Glover. Like that's cool. I, I wouldn't mind that at all. Especially. Can you imagine just him walking down the street? It's too late. <laughs> that fucking song that he does. Um, what is? Oh, oh god! Yeah. What is? What is his alter ego? Um, oh my god! Childish Gambino. 
Thank you, Jesus Christ. Uh, I love that song. He's got some really great, really, really Fucking great white music. people, am I right? I know, right? <laughs> Uh, but dude I haven't even thought about I haven't even talked about my thoughts on this fucking movie like <laughs> I've just been talking about the character of fucking well, Spider-Man it's, it's pretty important man because I mean you talk about the creator of this getting death threats and I love the fact that this movie overcame that and ended up winning an Oscar and it's like yeah I just too big fucking I wish he did just as he's holding his Oscar just one big middle finger and all the other fingers wrapped around like yeah fuck you like, like just shooting everybody the bird that's it man like yeah <laughs> And Mark Mark Benarden goes on to talk about like on the on the on the podcast episode. He's like, look, I don't, I really didn't ask for credit for that or anything like that. It's just like an essay that I wrote, and then like one thing led to another, and then like Miles was created, right? So, uh, like all all credit should be given to Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, and you know, obviously, we wouldn't have the character of Spider Man without the great Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. So yeah, Mark Benarden fucking plays that off pretty well. But anyway, man. My fucking thoughts on this movie. I think this is one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> I'm not even. I know that's a fucking uh, a big statement, but man, every time I go to sit down and, th- uh, and watch this movie, I, I have the greatest, the best fucking time. It is enjoyable from start to finish. There is not one moment in this movie where I'm just like, I'm bored. Let's skip this. I I am just absolutely engrossed in it from minute one to the final minute, dude. Uh, I remember the first time I saw this with Matt, actually, um, and and I I was really tired. I was super tired. It was like a 9.30 p.m. session, and this is not a movie that you want to watch with tired eyes on a big screen because here is one minor sort of complaint that I had when I first saw it. Um, The animation style is really tough to get used to sometimes. Like, it feels like stop motion uh, sort of thing. And like, it ends up if there's, if there's a lot happening on the screen, which there is towards the end uh, with that big super collider fight, um, then you're, you're going to start getting lost or you're going to start get, feeling a little dizzy, which I did. Like, I'm not one of those like fucking asshole cunts who are just like, Oh, it's a motion. It's a, it's a fucking, what is it? Like what are those, uh, handheld camera movies? I'm going to be fucking sick from all the motion sickness. Oh, found like, footage. Yeah. I'm not one of those people. Like I, I'm fine, but like, I think it's just the, just the animation sometimes was a bit jarring, but other than that, man, one of my favorite things about this music, this movie is the music. Like, not just the licensed music that comes from the soundtrack. The the score by Daniel Pemberton is fucking awesome, man. Like, it is. It's 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 both heroic and 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 deep at the same time. It should. It's exactly what a Spider Man movie should be, um, and it just it just feels so genuine this movie has so much fucking heart to it dude um it's fucking hilarious (laughs) like there are moments in this movie that actually have me like absolutely fucking side splitting like laughter dude um and and i'll I'll get to some of my favorite jokes in it but like the, the story of it is just so unique like it's just so something that is that warrants the animation style like 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 they're both they all kind of like feed into each other and i don't, I want to give credit to we'll give credit to the directors which we absolutely will but like also um the the the, the two fucking super producers here uh lord and miller do, like do you know about these two phil lord and chris miller chris miller sounds really familiar i know he's produced a lot of shit but nothing comes to mind right off the top so both both Lord and Miller, um, they've done uh, 21, 22 Jump Street. They did the Lego movie. Um, they've got they've definitely got this like style about them. They've got just this like really really crazy like sense of humor. Uh, they were actually supposed to direct the Solo movie, Star Wars Solo. 
the the solo movie fucking right yeah uh they were kicked off of that they were fired <laughs> they were supposed to direct the the flash movie they were kicked off of that as well <laughs> um they just have like a, a sense of humor and a sense of style about them that they, that's just so unique to them um and they of course ended up picking up the oscar for this so honestly congratulations to them because this absolutely feels like a movie that they were 100 percent involved in and i know like i've talked about producers on here before and how i don't really like the producer credit and i don't really like um producers who just kind of like sit down have a cup of coffee with a director and say hey this do this like this feels like they had they went actually hands-on with it you know uh right but yeah man i absolutely adore this movie i think this is not only the best spider-man film but also one of the best movie of all time one of the best movies of all time um i think homecoming is a very close second when i picked this movie to cover for the podcast i was really weighing up between this and homecoming and and look, that's not to say take anything from Raimi's uh, Spider-Man Two because I think that movie is also fucking fantastic. But I think this outpaces all other five live-action films. Oh, sorry, six live-action films before this. Uh, now there's seven with uh, Far From Home. But yeah, yeah, man. Well, uh, I, th- I, th- I think the sign of a good movie is when it's two hours. How old, how long is this? I think it's two hours or a little bit more. Two hours. I think it is change. two hours. Okay, uh, yeah. a two-hour movie that that doesn't feel like a two-hour movie. That, that's that's the best thing that you you can watch and you're not checking your watch to be like, how much longer is this fucking thing? Huh? Uh, I never once got that feeling from it. I think like you just mentioned the pacing and I had to throw that in there for a movie that's that long. It doesn't it doesn't feel that long, you know. No, it absolutely doesn't. And and like, look, it hits on everything that makes Spider Man Spider Man. Like, you know, it it deals with like the like you know him being at school and like you know dealing with responsibilities of a of a of a teenager and as a superhero. It deals with uh, probably the biggest thing: running away from your fucking responsibilities, man. Like, like it, it deals with all of these like themes that make Spider Man Spider Man. Similar to like Batman and the way he deals with trauma. Uh, Spider Man has his own set of like themes and morals to get over, and like this. This absolutely hits it all in the head. I I love it. I love this movie. I can't wait to talk about it. What do you say we fucking dive right into this bitch? Yeah, let's do it, man. Fuck yeah. Uh, We get this awesome opening credit sequence, dude. I I love the music here. Like, immediately we get hit with, like, uh, Daniel Pemberton's fucking score for this film, dude. Like, it's awesome. Uh, And we meet Peter Parker, right? Like, Peter Parker, Chris Pine's Peter Parker, um, which is cool. I, I like him. It's a choice. It's a good voice choice. Well, uh, you know who they you know who they wanted originally for this? Toby. Yeah, and I, apparently when things fell through with Toby, they were going to get John Krasinski. And Krasinski, I don't know why, he, you know, just didn't work out whatever it was. I mean, Chris Chris Pine's totally uh, Chris Pine's a fine choice. Um, but but honestly, that's another thing I was like, yeah, this is kind of I really would have liked to have seen Toby in there cuz it it gets a little bit more I guess it gets a little bit more meta in that way. Maybe meta's not the right word, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I think this movie's meta enough, dude. Like there is so much meta in this movie. Like we're about to get to it, dude. <laughs> like uh Chris Pine's Peter Parker goes through his life as Spidey. Um the callbacks to the Raimi films like you know you've got the train sequence from Spider-Man 2 and the famous upside down kiss from Spider-Man 1 except like they flip it around because it's it's Peter standing upright and MJ's upside down and then you get like from Spider-Man 2 that car through the cafe window 
Uh, you get the infamous Spider-Man 3 dance, like, oh, we don't really talk about this. <laughs> right, because it's kind of, I don't think this is what they call, like, quote-unquote, Earth 616, like, our Earth, where all this takes place. I think it's, like, a little bit of a variant, because, I mean, Spider-Man's, like, blonde, and it's, like, it's not NYPD, it's PDNY, and there's, like, little things, like, here and there that are tweaks. So I'm like, this isn't quite our Earth, but it's, like, so fucking identical and so close to it, you know what I mean? Right, this is not our dimension that we're watching. <laughs> like, I, right, I, right. I, I like that, yeah. Because it, it, it did take me a little bit to get that. Um, like, I remember the first time I saw this, I was like, why is it PDNY? <laughs> but yeah, man, this this whole opening, after everything, I still love being Spider-Man. No matter, hits, no matter how many hits I take, I always find a way to come back. Because the only thing standing between this city and Oblivion is me. And then we meet Miles Morales, right? He's fucking up the lyrics to Sunflower. <laughs> I love this song, man, Sunflower. Yeah, I'm so surprising. Post Malone has a beautiful voice. I was like, wow. Like, that's, you know, did you ever see the the groups that Post Malone was in before he became Post Malone? Like, he's got the real long, like, emo, greasy black hair and, like, snake bite piercings. He was in, like, he was like a scene kid. Like, he played in, like, metal bands and shit like that. It's like, what the fuck? Like, say what you will about Post Malone. Not his biggest fan. Don't really listen to him. Very talented guy. And I think this song is is a good way to kind of bring that to people who aren't fans of his, per se. Um, but, I, yeah, I absolutely, I got, I got this song stuck in my head, like, all day today after watching this. Yeah, I'm not the biggest Post Malone fan, but I, I absolutely love this song. I've Like, ever since we announced that we were doing Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse for the podcast, I've been going through the entire soundtrack and the, the actual score soundtrack as well. If you haven't heard Sunflower, which you should have, here it is. I love, this is one of, this is going to be one of many <laughs> audio clips played throughout the episode, so I apologize. Here we go. does almost remind me of the uh something 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 i see you every day because all i want to do is blah 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 that's like the first thing i thought it was what was the song paper planes that song that came out you know you know what song i'm talking about am i crazy uh i think you're crazy well the all i want to do is blah 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 king and take your money all i want to do is you don't know that song oh by m.i.a yes thank you m.i.a there oh, we okay, go yeah uh, i do know yeah, the yeah. melody reminded <laughs> me like, of that like the melody reminded me of that, like, just a hair, and I was like, there's a really cool mashup right there. I know there is somewhere. I I did not pull that out of my ass. I was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking <laughs> about. And then, yeah. But yeah, man, I love it. I love, I like, I just love the feel of this movie, right? Like, it, like the, the, the soundtrack just gives, gives this movie an absolute amazing tonal push. And it just, it just sets the, the scene, like, so fantastically. But yeah, it's the first day of school, and despite his parents hounding, he decides to walk to school. Uh, he trips on his laces and falls in front of a cop car driven by his father, Jefferson, played by Brian Tyree Henry. 
have you seen Widows by any chance? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, okay. He's from Widows. He's in a whole bunch of stuff recently. Um, he's in that new Chucky movie, Charles Play. He's, he's pretty decent in that. But yeah, he, you know, he's. You know, you know, they've already pulled that out of theaters here. Have they? Holy Dude, shit. Uh, well, we were looking up showtimes for a movie theater that's 10 minutes from our apartment. No showtimes for it. I was like, ooh, that's bad. It, it kind of sucks because that movie's not that bad dude like it's i i thought it was decent like i, as, I just as, hate it for i just hate it for aubrey plaza because she's great and i'm like ah, i hope that's not a swing and a miss you know that's what's great about aubrey plaza she's so different and fantastic that it wouldn't even matter if she made a shitty movie everybody would still love her you know yeah well i was talking about an upcoming attractions dude like some of the ideas in that in that reboot are just actually actually pretty pretty fucking solid so no, oh, that is a shame. But yeah, except, except for the whole Chucky becoming Skynet, I'm like, oh, what the fuck? I was like, what is this? Yeah. Like watching the trailer, like, I don't know about all that. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not overly attached to it, so I don't really give a shit. Uh, phone party, <laughs> the coffee shop. Oh yeah, phone party. <laughs> uh, we find out that Jefferson has problems with Spider-Man, right? Because of course he does. Being a cop, he has some disdain for vigilantes. I, I like that whole element of it. Like, I like that he he's not overly attached to Spider-Man because. Like this is a thing that comes up in every Spider-Man story. Like it's a, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of inherent to superheroes in general, right? Like them being vigilantes, them being hunted down by cops and police and stuff. Like I mean, that first season of Daredevil, that's pretty much all it was. <laughs> He's hunted by the police, so it's it's a thing. Uh, with great power comes well, with great ability comes great accountability. That's not the saying, Dad. <laughs> Oh, I do. I do want to point out that when they play our Peter Parker in this universe, when that line comes up, that is Cliff Robertson from the first Sam Raimi. Oh, they just pulled, is it? They just pulled. They just pulled his audio, and I love, absolutely love Chris or uh, Cliff Robertson as Uncle Ben in the beginning. I mean, even though he kind of looks like old Johnny Cash, I still think he does such a great job as Uncle Ben and Rosemary Gibson too. She's great as Aunt May. It's it's so odd that Aunt May somehow gets younger and way hotter every time that they every time that a movie. <laughs> comes out but spider-man gets perpetually younger too yeah man i yeah yeah spider-man does get younger every iteration but do you did you see um the 2012 spider-man uh is that the Amazing first garfield no yeah. no i will uh, bits and pieces of it yeah man i they they kind of they they try and do the great power with uh sorry with great power comes great responsibility line and it sucks because it's it's martin shane that's delivering it and it's not great. Like, it's it's just not, it doesn't, like, because they flub it up. Like, they don't actually say the words. They try and get across the same values by, like, putting together a whole different sort of phrase. And it just, it's, it's something like, if you have a responsibility to do something, then you have a moral obligation to do those things or some shit. And that's honestly what it is. And it's Jesus. just like, wow. Wow. For a movie directed by a guy named Mark Webb. Yeah, not great. No, oh, it's a shame. Martin Sheen is a great actor too. It sucks. That's what I'm saying, man. Like I feel sorry for Martin Sheen, but whatever. Yeah, those movies ended up getting sonified, as I like to say. Where are we? The beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Jefferson drops Miles off at the Brooklyn Visions Academy, and he complains about wanting to go back to Brooklyn Middle. Uh, Jefferson says that he's only given it two weeks. He has to stick it out. Miles thinks that him being there isn't earned, but Jefferson says that he has an opportunity here, and he shouldn't blow it. Right, I like. I I love this. I love this whole running away from your problems and setting face instead of facing them head on. Right, like it's a very pre Spider Bite 
Peter Parker slash Miles Morales thing. I, I dig it. Oh, dude, his dad and the cop car, you gotta say I love you back. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, dude, it's great. Really good com- comedic shit, like, right off the bat, you know? Absolutely, and I love, like, Brian Tyree's, uh, Tyree Henry's um, <laughs> uh, delivery of, that's a copy. <laughs> <laughs> we get a bit of montage of Miles at school being overloaded with a bunch of books and stress. He walks into a classroom while they're watching something on a projector. I clocked this the first time, dude. Like, I was like... It's weird that he's standing where he is and the name of like Olivia Octavius's surname is kind of like blanked out. Like he's just covering the end of it because I saw Olivia OC or something, Olivia O. And I was like, oh, that's that's weird that they're it looks like they're intentionally covering it. And it's not until later, of course, that we find out who she really is. Uh, Miles sits next to who we come to know as Gwen Stacy, who tells him she liked his joke. And he's just like, um, I don't know if I've met you before. <laughs> uh, of course, she's played by Haley Steinfeld, another great young actress. Have we? Have you seen True Grit, actually? Uh, the original one. No, not the remake. Uh, of course you've seen the older one, you fucking well, old dude, man. The- and this this is one thing as well, like, besides from my dad being a huge Marvel fan, uh, the older stuff, which I've talked about on here several times, he was a huge John Wayne fan. So we watched, like, The Shootist, True Grit, Sons of Katie Elder, you know, a lot of, like, John Wayne Westerns. Actually, uh, just a quick funny story. When we saw the first Spider-Man came out, my whole fifth or sixth grade class was, like, our teacher was going to leave and go to another school. And, um, like we want, she wanted to take us all on a field trip one day to go see Spider-Man just say, fuck it. Like we're going to go see Spider-Man. It was a private school, you know, and it was good. You could kind of do some shit that you couldn't normally do in a public school. And she was like, you know, it's a going away thing and blah, blah, blah. And the school was like, no, obviously, you know, they're like, we're not going to let you just go see Spider-Man for whatever reason. So they were all like, well, we're all going to go up to school. We're, we're going to go up there like seven o'clock at night and go see it. And I hated this fucking teacher. I did not want to go. I liked the students in my class. I just fucking hated this bitch. Uh, <laughs> Miss Miller, Miss Miller, you cunt. I hope you listen to this. You <laughs> cunt. Um, but, um, <sighs> but she, um. Like, like I had her as a teacher. She was in Mexico when 9-11 happened. And I was like, thank God she can fucking stay there for like two more weeks. Fuck her. Um, but she she was, um, dude, yeah, she if I, this woman was fine. And even now I talk to students that I was friends with then. And I was like, was she really that bad from what I remember? And they're like, yeah, she tries to send me like a friend request on Facebook. And I just told her to go eat shit. Like she's a total, she's a total ass clown. Um, but I can remember talking to my dad. Hey, yeah, all these students want to go see this. And he goes, you don't really like your teacher though, do you? And I was like, no, I don't really want to go see it with them. And I was like, he, and I can remember this so well because we didn't bond over a whole lot of stuff. My dad going, no, you tell your teacher that this is something, this is a father-son thing. We always go see Marvel movies together. And I was like so proud to go to my teacher and say, well, my dad told you to go fuck off. Like, <laughs> like just eat <laughs> shit. Um, I was so proud to be able to walk up and do that because we saw this and Spider-Man 2 and uh, a lot of stuff like that together. So Spider-Man always brings up a lot of fond memories of my dad who was, you know, probably 10 or no, he, I think he was like 13 or 14 when the character came out. God damn. That's I know. That 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 makes me feel so young. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, man. That's wild. Like I don't really have that kind of I think I think for me it's Bond with my dad, James Bond. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, because he always like whenever we watch a James Bond movie, he's like, "Oh yeah, I used to, you know, I used to watch these movies back in Fiji when like you know the rundown cinemas that we used to have." <laughs> oh man! But uh, anyway, 
We find out that Miles is intentionally letting his grade slip because he's trying to get kicked out. I love the teacher here. You're trying to quit and I'm not going to let you. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's awesome. She assigns him a personal essay on great expectations and what kind of person he wants to be. Instead, Miles decides to hit the town and head to his Uncle Aaron's place. A uh, quick shot of Donald Glover as Spider-Man on the TV. Meta! Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love, I love Aaron, dude. Like, Uncle, like, the voice actor, fucking Mahershala Ali. I mean, come on, man. I want to say that we're related, but we're not, sadly. He's awesome. And I love, like, who he turns out to be. Like, like we can get to, we'll get to that twist eventually, but... I, I love that he's kind of like this go-to for for Miles. Like Miles is kind of like not not pushing his immediate his parents away, but he's kind of like I I I feel like I trust my uncle a bit more. I feel like I want to be around this guy a bit more because he gets me, uh, and he's not this harsh authoritarian that my father is. I I really like that element of it, man. Sure, yeah. I think there's all that kind of family member that that we can relate to. I th- I think that. I, th- I think that honestly, there's a lot of times in my family's dynamic where I end up being kind of like an Uncle Aaron where it's like, well, yeah, like, I mean, and I don't have the kind of re- reputation that Aaron has with Jefferson at all with like my brothers or anything. But like, oh, this guy's kind of cool. He's a little bit more open minded. And of course you are because you're not the one who's ultimately responsible for this kid at the end of the day, you know? For sure. For sure. They talk about the new girl at Miles' school and uh, Aaron tells her about the shoulder touch tomorrow. Find that girl. Walk up to her and be like, "Hey, <laughs> oh, dude, yeah." When when he when he when he doesn't, he's like, "No, I mean, hey." And he turns his head real quick to like look at him. <laughs> That's, That's my, one of my favorite cuts. It's awesome, dude. Um, you know what? What do you think of the animation style? So you you haven't really you haven't really talked about I talked about it much. Like I talked about like how it's a little a little jarring at points, but like I it's still super fucking unique, dude. Like it looks beautiful. No, yeah, I, I honestly, it really didn't bother me that much because I was, I, I don't know. There's the the matte style was was kind of, um, I, I don't know. It, it never it never really bothered me. The maybe the frame rate was a little odd, but that's really about it. Like the sometimes they look like they're kind of like their movements are not as smooth as a normal cartoon, quote unquote, would be. But that's kind of just like the style of it. I, I, I don't know. It, it it definitely didn't bother me at all. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it. It had almost like this, like, it almost had this, you know, the Sims video game. It had this weird Sims oh, yeah. kind of feel for it for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I know that's really odd, a random pool. But, but no, the animation from playing Jet Set Radio Future, and this even has like, if Borderlands was a movie kind of feel. Right, you know, the like cell shading. Right, exactly. The everything is like has a black outline on it, kind of shit. But no, I, I definitely enjoyed it. It didn't bother me at all. I love. Um, uh, it's very subtle, but I love the when it's like dark or something. It's like a, it's like a comic book page. Like you can see like the pigmentation on it. Like it's it's tough to explain. Like if you look very closely, like no, later yeah, when like, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean no, that. no. Like later when like Miles is making his way down into the subway station by himself, he's got that torch, and like in the light, you can see like the pigmentation. Like it's yeah, well, especially page. when he's sweating and he's like walking down the hallway, and he's like, oh, why are my thoughts so loud? And blah blah blah. Like you can see kind of like the gritty pixel of his forehead. Like it's right. very, it's very detailed up into that point. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Aaron spot, spots Miles' a notebook uh, with his art and they head uh, out to the subway. How'd you know about this place, asked Miles. Did an engineering job down here. Okay, sure. Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> 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 what the f- 
<laughs> hey man, I'm, I'm I'm setting the scene for the Grand Goblin that's about to fucking rock up. <laughs> they get to tagging. Meanwhile, we see the Alchemax spider start to sneak its way closer to Miles. Um, no expectations. Looks cool. I like it. Uh, Aaron tells Miles that he and his father used to do this back in the day until he became a cop. He's a good guy, he says. And then you get the spider bite, right? Like, all oh, it's, <laughs> it's all dramatic and shit. You see the venom, like, enter the bloodstream. And I love how just nonchalantly Miles, like, slaps it away. <laughs> oh, awesome. yeah. It's, it's all this big dramatic, like, <laughs> you see the cell start to change. And he's just, like, and just smacks <laughs> it away. Like, just a quiet little, and it's gone. It's awesome, dude. Like, the music just drops out and shit. One, one thing I wish is, like, when you see... You know, and not to, I think it's literally right after this, they leave and there's the montage of Miles sleeping in the bed and his roommates like on the computer reading a comic book. And it's like this real quick kind of, the, it's basically his ghost station period for the spider thing, you know? Right. Um, I wish it would have just showed his roommate like, like fucking, you know, Having reading a, a comic book. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like <laughs> sitting there like reading a comic book, getting on the computer, just hunched over the computer, just like. <laughs> 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 but like as Miles is asleep, it's a fast cut and it just goes on for hours like the guy does it the majority of the time. <laughs> I Dude, the, like that would have been more realistic. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for real. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, this this reminds me of the uh, of the Raimi movies, right? Like he, <laughs> the first thing I remember Peter like fucking does is like he goes to Aunt May and he's like, "Oh, I'm home, Aunt May," and like he's got that massive fucking spider bite on his like hand and he's just like got like, he's, he's curled up in the in the in the blanket and he's just like, yeah, I don't know, it's just like this really weird situation. But yeah, him opening up his sweatpants and be like, "Peter, are you okay? Are you changing or something?" She's like, "Oh yeah, I made lots of changes." <laughs> Looking down at his dick. <laughs> oh man i love it I, and i just oh man I, okay look i don't think i could watch the toby that first toby one today and still like it i don't know I mean, like he's just too much of a bitch for me Sorry. yeah and he's kind of he's kind of an asshole but man willem dafoe does such a great job in that movie he does. even even with a goofy costume you know that I, I i don't know i still i i think i think i'm gonna be blinded by nostalgia on that one more so oh, the yeah. second one than the first one but i think i think it's still a damn good film damn good interpretation or representation of uh of spider-man I love I love how that um, I'm something of a scientist myself has become a meme. Like, it's a thing. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, like you said, overhead shot of Miles sleeping as his roommate works away. The next morning, Miles' clothes don't fit. I think I hit puberty. <laughs> <laughs> we get the speech bubbles. He's hearing the voice in his head. I love this paranoia. I like this whole idea of the paranoia stuff. It's great. Uh, he bumps into Gwen. Why are you so sweaty? It's a puberty thing. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I don't think that's puberty. I don't think you know how puberty works. And then she's like, I'm Gwanda. <laughs> yeah. There, there is. Um, so I, I follow a lot of cosplayers on Instagram. I like, um, you know, just people who really nail that down. And <coughs> do a great job. Now, there is a there, there is a comic book artist. His name's Todd, uh, N-A-U-C-K, Todd Knock, Knock or whatever his name is. But he dressed up as Peter B. Parker for this comic con and looks just like him dude it's spooky and he's an amazing comic book artist please like go check this guy out um but the one that 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 ended up just blowing my mind is this girl on instagram her name is bunny b i bunny by i guess b i i um she is spider gwen it's spooky dude like it is like and i strongly urge anybody listening to this 
please get on Instagram and, and, and check this woman out um, because she does an absolutely fantastic job. Not just, I mean, she does Captain Marvel. She does like Sailor Moon. She does a lot of different characters, uh, but she is like, she even gets down to, you know how, you know, Spider-Gwen kind of has those, uh, I don't want to say her front teeth are kind of like gapped. There's a kind of weird little gap in them. She even gets like a gap. She gets like prosthetic teeth. I was like, that is some serious fucking dedication. Like it's such a, such a minor little thing to tweak, but she does a really good job. And, both of them ended up walking around um, like San Diego, Com- it was like a WonderCon or something together. And I was like, holy shit, like they, they look absolutely fantastic together. I just wanted to throw that out there because it's some of the best cosplaying I've ever seen. It's all I could think of when I was watching this movie. Yeah, no, dude, I'm looking at her right now. She looks fucking awesome. Like, like, yeah, I mean, she's also fucking smoking hot. But oh yeah, um, she totally is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, that's besides the point. Yeah. Uh, Miles attempts the shoulder touch. Why is this so scary? Am I doing this in slow motion, or does it just feel that way? <laughs> um, <laughs> he sticks to her hair and can't, to her hair and can't let go. It's just puberty. <laughs> um, of course, she tells him to relax because I mean, like she knows what it is, right? Like, like that's a nice little touch that I didn't catch the first time. She says, "Just relax," and uh, eventually she has to get her hair cut off, which is a great, nice little moment. I gotta say, I love girls that have like the longer hair and that buzz thing on the side i'm like oh that just that gets you going that's eh? still that's still i don't care if she's an animated high school student uh no, i'm just <laughs> oh <laughs> no oh, there's whoa. there's something there's something about that haircut just in general that i'm like oh good god i love that haircut i dig it i, I dig i dig it on some girls like it depends i don't know i don't know it's just one of those like yeah it, it has to grow on me i guess well, and then some of them wind up looking like fucking Ed, uh, Edward Norton's girlfriend in American History X. So, you know, you kind of got to be careful. You're like, ah, eh, some of these don't. Some of these look really hot or like white trash piece of shit kind of <laughs> look. I don't know. You got to be careful. Just Natalie Portman from V for Vendetta. Oh, fuck it. Don't care. I'd fucking dig it. Yeah. We're like <laughs> Furiosa. Yeah, I don't oh, care. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I mean, Charlotte Theron, that's a, that's a different I mean, bulk. Natalie Portman is like, yeah, yeah, you can shave that head all you want. I mean, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Professor X. I mean, Patrick Stewart. I mean, come on. <laughs> hey, fuck it. I, mean, I don't f- <laughs> Fucking uh, Joseph Gordon-Levin, 50-50. I'll suck his dick. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I love what Louis C.K. says. He goes, I'll suck his dick right now. I don't know. Maybe I'll just do the second half of my life gay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Gandhi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, of course. Uh, Miles heads back out to school. I love, like, he's just, like, like everyone knows. <laughs> he's got the spider sense going. And then he bumps into the security guard. Hey, I know you stuck out last night, Miles. Uh, Morales, play dumb. Who's Morales? Not that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke. Uh, Miles is fumbling around with his clothes in the security uh, officer's office, bumps into the laptop, spider bells, goblin smells. <laughs> of course, that was pretty funny because, you know, standardly related to Batman, right? Like that that whole jingle. Uh, right. Which is obviously DC, but I just thought that was really, really clever, really funny. Miles ends up on the outside of the building. I love the camera work here. I know it's not technically camera work, but it's just like the way it's it's shown, like the way it's animated. Because like he's standing on the outside of this this um, this building, and the camera just like kind of follows him like around the corner and shit. It looks it looks badass, dude. It looks fucking awesome. Uh, Miles ends up back in his room. Uh, Spider Man comic falls on his face, and he sees the similar events that just happened to him happen to Peter Parker as well. Miles freaks out. I love as he's running and like denying it, saying that he's a normal kid. The speech bubbles that kind of like follow him. <laughs> it's great. 
Now, do you do you know the comic book that he this comic book that lands on him? Do you know the significance of this comic? No. This that's the first appearance of Spider Man ever. It's called. Uh, it wasn't even. It wasn't even called. You know, the Amazing Spider Man or whatever. It was. He did not have his own comic yet. It was Amazing Fantasy number fifteen. It's it's a very sought after comic. Um, but I remember that. I mean, it's it's so infamous. The the cover of that. It's like. You know, seeing Superman lift up the car in the first issue of Superman. But um, Amazing Fantasy, like, number 15 goes for, God, I can't, I can't, like, it came out in 1962. I only, I don't know how many copies of it are left. Um, but I've got an article here from um, Heritage Auctions. Amazing Fantasy number 15 sets world world record price in, Herit- in Heritage Auctions uh, vintage comics auction. Guess how much... This thing auctioned for this this comic. No, oh, how much? I can't even t- fucking guess that, dude. Five point seven million dollars. Holy shit! Like I was about to say, I was gonna ask you, is it somewhere in the millions? But like, I didn't want to like seem like an idiot, <laughs> so I just didn't ask you. That's wild, dude. Right, a copy of Amazing Fantasy number 15, the 1962 first appearance of Spider-Man, sold at Heritage Auctions in Dallas on February 18th. Um, It says for $454,000, record price of public auction. The near-mint 9.4 CGC copy claimed claimed top-lot honors in Heritage's $5.7 million art collection. So, yeah, I think – well, maybe it didn't sell for four – Actually, let me verify that. I think I'm thinking it says that it sold for, you know, in 2016 it sold for four hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then somebody sold it again at an auction for like five point seven. Jesus fuck. Yeah, that's that's fucking insane. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. It's wild. Um, I love like Miles get, nearly gets run over by that taxi, but he does that cool superhero landing. <laughs> He's like, "I'm not Spider Man. I'm not Spider Man. I'm not Spider Man." And then, boom! <laughs> uh, later that night, Miles decides that he has to tell someone. He scrolls through his phone. One of the numbers is B Bendis. Pretty cool. Oh yeah, there's a couple of those in here that we'll get to. Th- those are really cool. Yeah, I'm just gonna spoil it now. There's one Ditko one. Yeah, you know it sucks. Yeah. Ditko and Stan Lee both died the year this movie came out. I within, know. Within months of each other, man. And like, I'm not gonna lie. I know Stan Lee. Everybody likes to throw Stan Lee around with Spider Man, and he is integral to the making of this. But, but it is not a Bill Finger Bob Kane situation. It's not that. It's really not. But. The, that Steve Ditko's name needs to be brought up a lot more in that conversation. If I'm being completely honest, that that that's for a whole other episode. I'm not going to dive into that right now because you, if you, anybody who listens to this podcast long enough knows my gripes about historical accuracies and shit with 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 these kind of things and and, be, and sticking true to who did what and blah blah blah. But Steve Ditko is like. Basically, the way that I heard it was Stan Lee was like, hey, this is my idea. You draw it. And then Steve Ditko was like, here you go. And then Stan Lee goes, all right, cool. You know, he was not an artist per se. He was the idea guy. You know, it's kind of Alan Moore is that way. Alan Moore is a writer and he gives it to somebody over like Dave Gibbons and they they draw it basically. But it's still both of their names on it at the end of the day. You know, there's a Alan Moore has a good interview where he talks about Stan Lee kind of being like ripping people off and stuff. And Alan Moore's a bit of a pessimist. I don't really think it's that bad, but there are, a there's bit a lot of, of pessimist. Dude. Yeah, a I bit? know he's got that large English British wolf. It looks like, <laughs> it sounds like he's just been hunting werewolves on the moor for like 45 years. Um, <laughs> but he found made, the hounds of the Baskerville. 
Yeah. Well, he said he was at a convention and he saw Kirby, Ditko, and Lee. And Lee's just all smiling and, hi, how's everybody doing? And, you know, Steve, Ditko, and Jack Kirby look like they could give a fuck to be there. And he goes, and then I realized there's a really good reason for why Stan's always smiling. And Ditko and Kirby could not give a fuck. Uh, I think Jack Kirby went on record as saying, like, kid, don't get – somebody at a Comic-Con was like, hey, I want to become a comic book artist. What should I do? He flat out said, kid, don't get into comic books. They'll only break your heart. It's like, God damn, dude. Like, for the two guys who created and, like, (laughs) maybe not the idea, but, like, drew these things, like, man, they deserve a lot more credit, is all I'm saying. I I do agree. Um, And I think a lot of that has to do with. uh, I mean, especially especially now, like in modern times, because we've seen Stan Lee go like through all these like cameos, like on screen, like everyone knows who he is. So that's naturally going to give him a little bit more notoriety, I guess. Right, exactly. And I think it's important to mention that, yeah, like we should definitely highlight it is not a Bob Kane, Bill Finger situation. Like, right, <laughs> like right. nothing no, no, no. is on that scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Miles starts calling his dad but quickly hangs up and he heads back down to the subway to look for the spider that bit him. He finds it and his spider senses start kicking in just as soon as the window behind him explodes. Dude, I love the the lookout before it happens. It's just all quiet. The music drops out and it's just, look out. <laughs> and it turns out Miles has stumbled onto a fight between Green Goblin and Spider-Man, right? Like this is awesome. This fight looks awesome. This is, of course, like all of pretty much all of the villain uh, portrayals. They're all apparently from the ultimate uh, versions of them, uh, which is cool. yeah. I, I I read that. I I like this goblin, but I it's a little much. I mean, like I, I like the change of like he doesn't have a glider; he has actual wings. I'm like, all right, cool. Like I, I dig this. It's a little bit more of an organic feel for the character, but I don't need a Godzilla-sized version of Goblin. That's my only thing. Is like if he were big, like he should still tower over Spider-Man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like at the minimal, he should be like the size of like Colossus from the X-Men. You know, he should be huge or like a juggernaut sized dude. But this scale was a little I was like, eh, I don't know if I it's it's still cool. I love the design. I just I wouldn't mind seeing him shrunk down just a little bit. It's 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 OK. It's not a huge nitpick, but I wish he were a little bit smaller in scale at all. I, I, I don't really have a problem with it. It's more uh, for me. <laughs> For me, it's more like, how does it work? Because Peter calls him Norman, so he's still Norman Osborn, but it's like, is this kind of like a werewolf sort of situation? Like, does he does he transform into this giant green green goblin, like, sometimes? Or, like, on, on command? Stuck, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the fight leads Miles to the reactor where he falls and Peter saves him. Uh, Peter senses that Miles is the same. I believe I was the only one. I thought I was the only one. You're like me, and Peter, uh, Miles is like, I don't want to be. And, uh, man, I love Peter's response. Chris Pine plays Peter so straight. It's it's great. He's, he's kind of like a it's kind of like a Captain America sort of thing. Like, it's just like, I'm going to play this character so straight that you're going to have to be endeared to him. Uh, because Peter's response is, you don't have a choice, kiddo. <laughs> I love it. It's just It's just so inherent to the superhero genre, and it's just, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, and you could say it cliche, say it's cliched as fuck, but you can fuck off. All right, just well, I mean, but it's classic Spider-Man, though. You know, exactly. It's, it's going to be saying. that way. Peter tells Miles that he can help him out, show him the ropes before he heads off to destroy the reactor. Oh, dude, I love that kind of like. Again, 
not a camera angle or a one take sort of thing, but it's just the way it's animated. Like he just takes off and he uh, works his way up to the reactor and he fights. Um, he fights Goblin. It's great. When he gets up there, he's interrupted by the Prowler. Awesome score for the Prowler, dude. Holy shit! Like every time the Prowler's on screen, you get Daniel Pemb- uh, Sorry, Daniel Pemberton's awesome score. Like I'll, I'll play it a bit later uh, when there's that sort of reveal, but it's it's fantastic. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, the Prowler's like costume looks fucking badass, man. Did you know much about the Prowler before this? Well, not a shit ton. He actually was in that animated Spider-Man cartoon I grew up watching, so I remember him. A decent amount. I remember him not being necessarily like a bad guy per se. He was just kind of in a gray area, more towards the black and not the white, like the on the morality color spectrum. Um, but not a whole lot, honestly. I, I dig his costume here, but I do like it a little bit more in the animated series. You know, he's kind of got that cape, and it's I, I I don't know. I don't hate it here, but I like it in the. He's a little bit bigger and like bulkier in the uh, animated cartoon. Right. Well, I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. Uh, when I watched this with Matt, who's sitting next to me, is like the biggest Spider-Man like, nerd on the planet. I literally turned to him, I'm like, who's that? And um, Matt had to wipe the jizz from his eyes and tell me uh, who, <laughs> who the Prowler was because at this point, Matt was soaked. So, yeah, that was happening. Uh, we meet Wilson Fisk. Dude, Liev Schreiber, a.k.a. Kingpin. I love Dude, that he's kind guy- of like this hulking sort of like figure. It's just like like there's there's a couple points in this movie where it's just like it's just him like the everything on screen is just him. <laughs> well, I mean, he's so fucking huge. Like you could take out ad space between this guy's shoulders. Like he's so fucking large. Like I mean, and comically large. Like to a point where you're like Jesus Christ. Like how does your how does your body even support? Like what do your knees look like? Like how does your body even support itself? You know, it's it, he's he's like comically large looking, but I think that's kind of. I think that's kind of the point to, you know, in the in the comic books and shows and stuff like that, like he's always been a strong, you know, bulking kind of character, but he is overweight. He is a large kind of uh, indulgent like kind of character. So I, th- I think that's increased tenfold in this um, interpretation of him. And intimidating, like the size is to is to assist with the intimidation factor. Have you I can't remember. Did you watch Daredevil? A couple of episodes due to Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, dude. The best interpretation of this character, Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. Kingpin, is some of the best fucking villain work you'll ever see in any superhero media, whatever. Like, it is amazing. He is fantastic in it. So... Yeah, when he when he rocked up as Kingpin, I'm like, oh man, like this is I don't know about this because Vincent Vincent D'Onofrio did such a great fucking job with him, um, and I think I think what they do with Fisk in this is great. I like that there's not too much like that they are not you know going for like some massive really full on deep story about Wilson Fisk. Like we get like a little bit of a backstory about him, but there's not too much there. Um, I dig it. I like it. Uh, I love his accent. It's a hell of a freaking light show. Watch this. <laughs> Turns on the reactor. One of the scientists mentions that there are now five separate dimensions opening up and that the, dura- the reactor is unstable. Peter goes to stop the reactor, but Green Goblin holds him inside the reactor beam, resulting in an explosion and subsequent blackout of New York. After this, Miles finds an injured Peter who says that he always gets back up. Dude, I love the, the hole in his eyepiece. Looks awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely reminded me of that final Goblin uh, yes. McGuire fight. Yeah, yeah, definitely had that kind of feel. 
Dude, that fucking pumpkin bomb goes right off next to his head. Yeah. Right. Dig it. I dig it. I'll never forget that visual. <laughs> uh, Peter says that they need to team up and that they don't have much time. He gives Miles the override key, tells him the only way to stop the collider. Um, and this is one of my favorite moments in this entire movie because this kind of gives Miles his... Peter gives him his mission, right? Like he says, hide your face. Don't tell anyone who you are. No one can know he's got everyone in his pocket. Uh, and Peter makes Miles promise that he'll stop the collider. Uh, and of course, Miles goes and hides before Fisk and his goons, Tombstone and Prowler, go up to Peter. Fisk takes off his mask, tells him he's doing this for the... He's not doing this for the money. Peter tells Fisk that he knows what he's trying to do because he saw Fisk's family in the collider, tells him he it won't work because they're gone. And this absolutely infuriates Fisk, who tells Peter... Sorry, who kills Peter in a fucking dark moment, man. Like this shit? Holy fuck. I was not expecting this. Right, yeah. It was um it was kind of surprising, especially like I said, in a lighthearted, more kitty friendly kind of movie. I, I wasn't expecting this. Um there there's actually a character later on I'll talk about that they were actually planning on killing off and they're like nah that's too dark and it's like well i guess it's okay with peter because your story kind of hinges on it you know well here's the thing i i remember watching this and i was like i was genuinely surprised because i didn't think that peter b parker i thought they were one of the same like do you know what i mean i remember seeing him in the trailers and i was like oh so okay he's the same person like he survives but i guess not right uh he orders prowler to kill, to kill peter kill that guy <laughs> Uh, and Q chase scene through the subway tunnels. I love this moment as Miles jumps in front of the one of the trains and they're just, the color kind of flashes. Like it's cool, like comic book. It's like seeing a panel of a comic book page. It's fucking awesome. Uh, also, Prowler on the bike is fucking badass, dude. Like that shit. Yeah, that fits him really well. I like that a lot. Totally. It's like, he reminds me of Batman. Like a dark yeah, I can Batman. See, I, I- it kind of gave me like a bit of a Ghost Rider feel, the chains, Ooh, yeah. you know, kind of thing. I, I I really dug that. Yeah, that's also what my bedroom looks like too. Wait, what? Chains? <laughs> Chains everywhere and skulls. Yeah. People screaming and crying. Yeah, I think it's a Banksy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so good. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Miles gets home and hugs his father, asks him if he really hates Spider-Man, and Jefferson basically says yes. Like He's just like, well, yeah, kind of, before he's yeah. like ushered out by his mom. <laughs> Uh, and Miles asks his mother about moving out, out of Brooklyn, right? Like, again, classic take on Spidey, running away from your problems. She says, our family doesn't run from things. Uh, we get news reports that Peter Parker has died. We get a montage of citizens of New York finding out the news. Uh, and we get MJ, right? MJ is giving a speech. They said it could have been anyone behind the mask. He was just a kid who happened to get bit. And then we get the Stanley cameo. I love this cameo, but... I think it should have been cut uh, much, much shorter. Like, this is not long after he passed away, but I like, I love, I'm going to miss him. We were friends, you know. Like, that's perfect, dude. I just, I wish they cut it there. Like, I like the no no returns or refunds ever thing, but like, like that is funny. But I just, I wish they cut it at we were friends, you know. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, um, yeah, because I, I mean, it's kind of like, what else can follow that? You know, like like you can't top that line because Spider-Man was the character I think that Stanley related to the most that he, that he helped create. So it's like, well, I think I think that's the line to end up. And then you just kind of 
like his last line ends up being like this like shysty kind of like no refunds you know like dude yeah. end, ended on ended on the heartfelt line you know like oh yeah we're gonna i'm gonna miss him a lot as in like when we can reflect that as an audience looking this is his i think this is the first cameo that played right after he died so yeah that's right i mean it, so I mean I think the audience is 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 self reflecting that in the same way for Stan Lee. So yeah, just leave like ended at that. Go out on top, you know. Right, exactly. And it, it, after this, he went on to have a cameo in Captain Marvel and Endgame. Endgame was his last one. He's not in Far From Home, um, which is actually kind of sad because it's like man, like Spider Man without Stan Lee. Like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel right. No, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> Miles dresses up in a Spidey costume and listens to MJ's speech. We're all Spider-Man and we're all counting on you. I love this guy. I think it's a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Miles, wanting to test his abilities, climbs to the roof of a tall building and stares over the edge. Epic music and then hard cut to him walking back down the stairwell. (laughs) The sound of the squeaking of his shoes is great, dude. Such a great cut. I love it. Uh, He decides to tackle a smaller building, goes to make the leap, but trips on his laces and ends up hitting the street breaking the flash drive in the process. That night, he goes to visit Peter's grave in his Spidey outfit, apologizing for messing up the key. He says he wants to do what Peter asked, but he's not sure that he's the guy, right? Standard Spider-Man stuff, the self-doubt, I love it. But then, who we come to know as Peter B. Parker, sneaks up on Miles and gets electrocuted. At this point, I was like, electrocuted? What the fuck? Like, what is... Because I, I, I turned to Matt and I was like, I don't know, does Miles have the same powers as Peter? I always thought that they have the same powers, but I guess not, right? Right, yeah. Apparently, from what I've read about Miles Morales, <laughs> there's a bit of a trade-off. Like, his spider sense isn't as strong, and I don't think he's, like, as fast as uh, Peter Parker is, but that's where the camouflage and the uh, Venom Strike kind of come in. There's a bit of a trade-off there, you know? Right, dude. I think, to be honest, I, I like the spider sense, but I think I'd rather the the, the invisibility, like... That that shit's badass. Well, yeah, and I mean, I guess it kind of. I don't. I mean, I, hey, uh, I don't really know a whole lot about spiders, but I think <laughs> maybe there are some that have kind of have that active camo thing. But it's like, ah, sure, they're animals. Do that. Fuck it. I believe it. Ah, uh, it's a comic book. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Miles says Parker's web shooters in costume. All right, people, let's do this one last time. <laughs> uh, we get an amazing background on Peter B. Parker, dude. Like, we find out that he's a loser. Uh, I love that he got married to MJ. They broke up, buried Aunt May. Like, we're so used to seeing a young Peter Parker. Like, we, we've never really seen what an experienced Spidey looks like on screen. It was just it was just cool to see, like, someone who, uh, who's been doing this for so long and eventually what happens past the movies, like, past the high school, past the college years. I, I really appreciated this stuff. Uh, he explains that MJ wanted kids and that scared, scared him, so they broke up. Uh, he was in his apartment doing push-ups, getting strong, <laughs> when the portal appeared, and he ended up in New oh, York, him, right? Him fucking eating a slice of pizza in bed. Oh, dude, I love it. I can relate. I can relate. Yeah. Uh, ends up in New York. Did you catch the From Dust Till Sean billboard? Did I catch the yeah. From Dust? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Of course I did. I, I don't know why I asked, but I love it, dude. Like the, I love that ultimate dimension shit. Uh, he said that he had a feeling that the thing that brought him there was the thing that got him killed. Uh, Miles, of course, gets chased by cops. They say freeze, PDNY, as we brought up earlier. It uh, goes on this little escape scene, uh, which is beautiful. The, dude, the flashing lights on the street 
like from the cop cars looks fucking beautiful man um this scene actually i i saw before the movie came out it was at the end of venom it was the end credit sequence oh uh, okay yeah yeah i like i was like like i remember watching it with matt and i was like oh that looks pretty uh i'm not gonna see it because it's an animated movie but it looks pretty because i'm a fucking idiot i guess <laughs> uh <laughs> I love the moment where Peter has the like he's got the snow the snowman head on him and like they hit the bus window. Uh, there's a passenger who's listening to some hip hop song and it's muffled, but it sounds like every hip hop song today, like with the slurred delivery. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and then uh, Q interrogation scene, right? Why is your body a different shape? <laughs> And Miles nails the dimension theory, obviously. Uh, well, we learned about it in physics. Dude, what kind of physics is being taught to you? Like, I did physics. Never heard of alternate dimensions, but okay. All right. We did shit like, you know, speed equals distance over time and, uh, and gravity being like 9.8 meters per second. But like, I didn't, I never heard that shit. Different dimension hey, shit. Well, he goes, to the, he goes to that rich boy school. You know what I mean? Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he won the lottery for that shit. Uh, Peter manages to slip his confines and heads down the fire escape before he starts to wig out. His uh, his atoms are going crazy because they know they're in the wrong dimension. Dude, this whole sequence is so fantastically well done. Like the oh, way and the the uh, sorry to interrupt you. The, no. uh, the the don't watch the don't watch the mouth, watch the hands. I'm like oh, that's so good. I so love good, that. Dude. Like the the total. I mean, because he's all. I mean, he looks about late thirties, early forties. And we've got this Spider-Man who's been a Spider-Man for probably 20 plus years. And then a kid who's been doing it for two days. So it's like, Oh cool. I like that dynamic a lot. Yeah. The disparity between their experience levels is great. Um, I also don't want to go part Jake, Jake Johnson's performance as well. Like he's great in this. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But yeah, man, like the whole, the, the way this sequence is, is done like like as they're walking up the walls and shit and the way it's filmed like it's you know they, they flip the camera like horizontally and they like it fucks with you a little bit it's like where is the where's the level <laughs> uh with great power comes great don't you dare finish that sentence <laughs> <laughs> peter talks about the goober being the bypass key that's always one in every situation like it's super meta but it absolutely works because this is a more experienced spidey like just the way it works from a storytelling perspective it's great uh, Peter eventually agrees to help Miles after he tries to make him feel guilty. Uh, I love the yelling into his elbow, like the frustration. He's like, God damn! <laughs> and then hard cut to a burger, right? In my universe, this place closed, closed six years ago. You have money, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great. I love that, man. It's great. Uh, Miles asks asks for Spider-Man tips uh, to disinfect the suit. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, uh, make sure you put, um, uh, what does he say? He's like, make sure you put baby powder in the suit, definitely on the joints. You want to stop any chafing. Right. It's, it's solid. It's it, all of this is solid. Like the whole, the whole relationship. It's, it's, it's great. Uh, I love how Miles asked Peter to teach him how to swing all the way to Alchemax and it just cuts to them on the bus because like, it's just not practically possible <laughs> or like even like desirable. It's like, I'm not going to swing all the way across the fucking state. I'll just catch a bus. <laughs> it's just easier. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but then like we get this whole sort of like, where do we go from here? We go to Alchemax, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did my job. I did my job with the notes. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, we get to Alchemax. Uh, 
I, I like I like as they're scoping it out, <laughs> like 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 he's just like we got to devise a plan. <laughs> oh man! But then like this is this was also in like the Comic Con, like in the trailer and shit. I was just like, oh yeah, this looks adorable and shit. Like you know the no cape Spider Man doesn't wear a cape and shit. Like it's adorable. And I was like to Matt, oh, it's still an animated movie though. I don't know if I'm gonna check it out because again, I'm a piece of shit. But. Whatever. Step one, infiltrate the lab. Step two, find the scientist's computers. <laughs> and then it's just like, uh, what does he say? He's like, I got to reevaluate my biases, <laughs> my personal biases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. Uh, of course, Peter heads in and uh, Miles spots the spots Kingpin and he's like, fuck, man, I'm going to, I got to help him out. He runs up fucking Peter's ass. I guess it's a it's an ass joke. I don't know. It's a kids it's movie. Scoot, scoot over. <laughs> but I also like. I also like Peter telling Miles to hang the fuck back, right? And he's just like, "No, I will not lose another Spider Man. I'm not going to do that again." And uh, Peter hesitates, and he's just like, "Well, I've never really had an ally in the fucking field. <laughs> Everyone's usually trying to kill me." So. Right. He's like, "I don't have a fucking Robin," you know. Right. Yeah, is that does Spider Man never actually have someone like a like oh, a I, sidekick? I, I'm sure somewhere, you know, like I don't know. I'm sure somewhere there's something in the years of comic books, but nothing, nothing. That, I mean, I'm decently versed in that, but nothing off the top of my head, you know. You're Spider versed in that. I'm sorry. Do what? <laughs> I was just making a shitty pun. I was like, you're Spider versed in that. Oh God! Yeah, you, this fuck. is getting cut out of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, of course, you know Peter breaks into the computer, and we get an awesome reveal. Did you did you see any of this coming? Like with uh with uh, Octavius? No, I mean I assumed that she wasn't just going to be like, oh here, yeah, you guys go take this, and I'll see you later, and blah blah blah. Like I. I thought it was either going to become she was she was going to, you know, tip them off and say, oh, hey, they're in here. Or she might have even been like, hey, listen, I don't like ev- everything was hunky dory until he started opening up these riffs. And he's going to because she even I mean, she's kind of concerned about like, hey, listen, we can't keep doing this. You know, I need more time, blah, blah, blah. So I could see her even being like, hey, listen, here you go. Take this. Get out of here. You never saw me, blah, blah, blah. But I, I knew that it was going to be one or the other. You know, she was either going to be an ally or an enemy, but I didn't see the twist of Doc Ock coming. No, neither did I. I thought it was like perfectly well done, dude. At this point, I was like, oh, shit. Because this is a this is a villain that we've kind of been waiting to see. Like, we've, we've already seen Green Goblin. We've seen the Prowler. We've seen Kingpin. So it's like, where is like the other iconic Spidey villain fucking you know, Doc Ock. Like, I, I had a feeling that there was not going to be Venom in this. Like, I feel like it was going to be too dark. But I was like, for sure there's going to be, like, Doc Ock, right? Like, there has to be. I also like the the voice actress, Catherine Hahn. Every time I hear her speak, I just think about uh, Step Brothers. I just want to roll you up in a ball and put you up in my vagina. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, it's so nice there. You could just live rent free. Oh, man. <laughs> Now I'm just like imagining her, like like thinking about her doing that piss in the urinal, and like John C. Riley's like, oh my god, <laughs> he's like, wow, you're an incredible woman. She's like, stay golden, pony boy. Oh, it's so slippery. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this this sparks this whole chase, right? Like, I'm not I'm not gonna go into this too much detail, but it's it's great. It's well shot. It's well done. 
Uh, it's very fucking humorous. Like I love like Peter being like, uh, let me tell you the good bit. You don't need the monitor. <laughs> he just throws it away. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great like movie cliche of like you shoot the monitor, the computer stops. He's like, oh yeah, by the way, we don't need this. He just throws the monitor out. It's good stuff. And uh, of course, Peter gets his bagel, right? <laughs> uh, and they get saved by Spider-Gwen. Awesome. 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 Well, awesome. And, well, I like the fact that as soon as they're walking out, every one of these white coat wearing motherfuckers is packing. I was like, whoa, like, what the fuck is that, dude? Like, <laughs> like, like everybody pops up with a gun. I'm like, don't be wrong. I know this is like the you know kingpins whatever like his headquarters and what have you but like every one of these people is like packing a gun like god damn yeah uh farmers and farmers mobs right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i i also love how um man like doc ock is fucking proficient man she is like she the way she chases them down and the way she uses her tentacles and shit like you like i was I remember when I saw this man, I was like genuinely like into it. I was like, damn, she's she's a badass. Like she she actually catches up to them. Like the way she slices those trees in half of shit and shit. Like I was just like, shit. All right. I'm down for this. Um, yeah, the the whole the whole movie kind of has this like this acrobatic great like almost like a parkour kind of choreography where everything's fluid and like I, I don't know. Everything is very, like you said, efficient. There's no, like, just brute strength or, you know, crazy flips for no reason. Like, everything, everything kind of, like, every action is to further, like, make the next action behind it move more more fluently. And that, that's that's what I like about a lot of the flips and the kicks and stuff like that. There's no There's no fat to be trimmed off of any of the action parts of it. I really enjoyed that. Right, like, because like, if you if you do watch the swing, it's literally like just them pulling down on the web and thrusting their like their body forward. It's no like, it's not like a fucking phantom menace, like you know, three twelves and then like lightsaber strike, like none of that shit, you know. And then we get like you know Gwen Gwen Stacy. Um, love, I love her backstory, dude. I love that it's Peter Parker that's killed, and like that is her uncle Ben. Like, man, like, she's like, I couldn't save my friend. And I was just like, whoa, that is cool. That's a cool twist on the on the story of it. I love it. What do you think of that? No, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I like the fact that it's a, it's a flip of the script. I remember reading some Spider-Man comic book where, you know, of course, he, Peter Parker crosses worlds with Gwen Stacy. And they, you know, they're kind of like enamored with each other. And he goes, yeah, I couldn't save the Gwen Stacy in my world. And she goes, yeah, I couldn't save the peter parker of mine but maybe we can change that this time like blah 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 i was like oh okay that's cool that's nice seeing the character motivations and knowing exactly exactly where they're coming from because you would have to think that gwen stacy's um or origin trigger you know uh the her batman crime alley thing would might be an uncle it might be a dad but it's probably going to be peter so i knew that reading it and i was like oh that's awesome that's really cool it was it was nice especially seeing a character like that get a second shot at redemption is is always nice it's always really cool it's it's fantastic uh, and then just after this, we get uh, Kingpin's motivations. Like, we find out that uh, like he's clicking the pen, he's waiting for Doc Ock, and, um, like, we get a little flashback of Spidey and, and, and Kingpin duking it out, and it's it's literally, like, Vanessa and, like, the daughter, uh, the son Richard, <laughs> daughter, <laughs> the son Richard walks in and, like, basically, like, catches Kingpin in the act. <coughs> Sorry. And they head out of the fucking... 
No, oh, I got a dick in my throat. <laughs> well, dude, the, the the clicking of the pin and every click is a new picture of him and his family. I was like, ooh, that's nice, dude. That's really good editing. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Who is his wife, by the way? Is that Rogue from the X-Men? What the fuck? Like, with the streak in her hair? I was like, what the hell? Like, I looked up and I was like, oh, no, 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 not her. No, never mind. It just threw, you know, you see a Marvel character with that streak of white through the front of their hair. You're like, Rogue? It's like the first thing I thought. Why? Well, you saw Rogue. I think. Um, I think of. I think of. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, your voice. I can't, I can't you recover. tried so hard. You tried so hard. Because I'm so sick. <laughs> oh god, you're like. Well, I, I am uh, dying I leading this episode, dude. <laughs> oh, that's so good. You see Rogue. I see. Um, fuck, I forgot her name, but she's in Daredevil. She plays Vanessa. And like, because you you meet her, and like that's how you get sort of enamored and sympathetic to the character of of Kingpin in Daredevil. Uh, is that actress that plays Vanessa? Uh, like that's who I saw at least. Well, and what a great job! What a great job of actually fleshing out Kingpin and not just absolutely. Him, you know, I just want to destroy the world. You know, I'm so tired of that in in a lot of these villains and stuff. And it's it's one of the gripes. Like I will say, I do get tired of the world ending consequences of like. Of uh of like Avengers movies and Captain America stuff like that, it does get old. But I I think where the Avengers kind of were able to get away with that is with Age of Ultron, and they have the Sokovia Accords, and there's actually a price to be paid for what they, what they've done. And I really really enjoyed that. Uh, Man of Steel is like what the fuck? Like they absolutely do, they, it's like what happened to Metropolis is like twenty five nine elevens. You're like Jesus Christ, and. The fact that that becomes a major plot point of Batman versus Superman, maybe a, definitely a flawed movie, but that's one part that was extremely nice to see the fact that there is a consequence for this, these world ending things. I, I like the fact that Fisk is just completely blinded by this. I love characters who are like, I, and I, I actually pitched a, a movie idea to you the other day about something like this, about somebody who could cross dimensions and p- see people that they, that they, that, that have died. And wh- how far would you go? It's kind of like if Fisk had a pet cemetery, he would just keep burying them over and over and over again until he got it right. You know, he's that kind of person. Um, he thinks that he can just force things into making them work. And I, and I love the fact that, that there's consequences to that, you know, he, he can't just fight with Spider-Man forever, ever and, and ever, and his family not become aware of who he is. You know, he's it fleshes him out really well. He might be a monster, but even a monster has a, a den or a home of sorts to go to at the end of the day. And I really enjoy what they do with uh, the uh, iteration of him in this movie. Right. I think I think the the MCU kind of figured that out eventually. Like I remember that was a big a big issue with it. Like it was all these kind of like world ending stakes and it just kind of got boring, right? Um I was going to compare it to Spider-Man Homecoming. So Spider-Man Homecoming um and not this is you've probably already seen this like Michael, Yes, I was just thinking this. Yeah, Michael Keaton's a vulture. He is not this guy who wants to end the fucking planet. Literally everything he's doing is for his family. Uh, it's for the betterment of his family. It's just to support his family because he is out of work. <laughs> like literally, it's just a guy who got laid off and he resorts to a ri- life of crime. And that, that's literally what it is. Had it not been for Peter Parker and Peter Parker's, I guess, kind of kind of just, just 
dedication to stopping crime, then this would just be a guy who's stolen a few things and supports his family and his family's all good, right? It's the same sort of thing. Uh, had it not been for Peter Parker here with Kingpin, Kingpin would have... Uh, look, I know, yeah. You know what? He would have destroyed the city. You know what? This is a fucking... This this analogy is falling apart as I can hear it, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I like the fact that if you want to do a character like that who just wants to, you know, the whole world is being destroyed, then you throw someone in there like Joker. And even Joker is not, he, there's, I've never seen a, a story where the Joker's like, I want the world to end. He's like, no, I want either, either a portion of this existence of this world in like Gotham or a country or a state or whatever, or he wants to, he wants to turn people into him. He, it's always a battle of, uh, of wills, of, of morality, of ideology. Uh, even Joker, who's the craziest, that he is the king of crazy, literally, uh, never has that kind of moment. Right. I think, I think the personal stakes trumps the, the, the scale stuff all the time. Uh, I, I like that's why, like in my opinion, Killmonger in Black Panther is such a great villain because he's doing it mm-hmm. uh, to better himself, like from where it came from. You know, it's 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 great, it's awesome. All right, man. After that, we cut over to Aunt May. But before we get to that, I am dying. Let's take a break. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good, man. Fuck yeah, guys. We'll be right back with more Spider-Man into the vi- into the Spider Verse. Don't go anywhere. who made it this far into the episode. Just while we're taking a quick break here, we've got a few things that we just wanted to put out there for any newcomers, or if you're not part of our growing community, maybe this could benefit you too. Firstly, we just want to let the newbies know about our episodes and the way Midnight Double Feature currently structured. As you know, right now you're listening to one of our feature presentations. When we started the podcast, we basically built the show around our feature presentations. These are movies that we choose to cover and basically go through everything in the movie that's worth talking about sequentially. These episodes are generally longer and we're definitely looking at ways to spice up our feature presentations by hopefully getting guests on. We also have our upcoming attractions episode. Typically, these come out during the week and are much more shorter than our feature presentations. These are hosted by Matt Vella and basically consists of a conversation between Matt and I about any movie news that's worth talking about, quick reviews of movies that are out of the cinema and other hijinks. Finally, we have our special features. These are usually one-off special episodes that are mostly experimental and don't really have any specific definition. They could be a sit-down with a cast or crew member, a conversation between the host, or just a straight-up different thing that might not even relate to film. Before I let you get back to the episode, I just wanted to thank our listeners and supporters. We definitely couldn't have done any of this without your guys' constant support. If, for some reason, you're not a part of our growing community, head to our socials. We've got two pages on Facebook, Midnight Double Feature, which is our main page and has our formal announcements, and we also have the After Party, which is where we post memes, news, and teasers of what's to come on Midnight Double Feature. We're also on Instagram, which is at Midnight Double Feature, and Twitter, which is at MDFpod. You can also send us an email if you have any grievances or would like to let us know what we're doing wrong. That's uh, MidnightDoubleFeature at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, guys. Back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, thanks for staying in for our second half of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We're excited to get the second half, uh, plow through this shit and get this fucking goddamn movie over. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> wow. As we like to say... 
We are freshly squeezed uh, like a like a pair of swollen testicles at midnight double feature. Um, but we are uh, we're coming back with our yeah, swollen, <laughs> swollen and veiny and just throbbing. Um, no, we're we're I, I love that somebody's going to show this to their kids like, oh, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. We'll play this. And, <laughs> well, we've done um, Coco before and I'm sure we've done, we, we said some pretty adult jokes on Coco. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're going to be coming back, uh, coming back at you guys for their second half of, of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse in case somehow you missed the first half for whatever reason. But this, this, this scene I love, do you know, you know, we're at the scene where, where Gwen and Peter B and Miles uh, end up showing up to Aunt May's. Do you know who does the voice of Aunt May here? Lily Tomlin. Yes, dude. She's awesome. Do you know anything about Lily Tomlin? Like you know a lot about her? I know precisely zero. Oh, dude, I love Lily Tomlin. She's great. Like, she's she was in so much stuff. Like, Lindsay watches a show called Grace and Frankie with her and Jane Fonda. Uh, oh, it's a dildo it, it's, one, it's, right? Right, yeah. They're the senior, uh, the, the senior citizens, like, selling dildos. It's an interesting story. It's, like, two women, and they're, they're, they're married for years to these men, and the men wind up being gay and falling in love with each other, and they're still all friends and stuff. Like, it's a very progressive, like, kind of show. But it's good, though. It's interesting. But I can remember her being in, like, the Beverly Hillbillies when I was growing up. Like, so many movies. There's a great video of her and David O. Russell on some set. I don't know what it is, but he just starts screaming at Lily Tomlin, like, losing his shit. Like, almost to the point of, like, a violent altercation. It's crazy. And that's, that's totally on David O. Russell. He's kind of an asshole from what I've heard. Like, you know, George Clooney choked him out on the set of Three Kings. What? Like, fucking grabbed him by grabbed him by the throat and was just like, dude, chill the fuck out. Like, launched on this motherfucker. But I've heard he's cooled off a little bit. I like, like his movies. I think he's a little overrated. A little overrated. Yeah, well, I love the fighter. I think that's great. Uh, I think I think that's probably his best movie, honestly. But I don't really think it has to do with David O. Russell. I think it's Christian Bale and. Um, you know, the Mark, Marky Mark, there's some really great portrayals in that, but, but anyways, getting back to this movie in the Spider-Verse, um, Gwen and Peter and Miles arrive at Aunt May's house and she shows them the spider shed. Uh, try saying that 10 times fast. Um, <laughs> inside our trio, our trio is introduced to another trio, Spider-Man Noir, Spider-Ham and Penny Parker. Uh, how well did you know any of these other characters? Because Peter and Spider-Gwen and, you know, it's kind of like we have our main trio and then we have these other three characters that are like, what? Like, this is, they're kind of more of the, uh, I don't know, I don't, off-brand's not the right word. They're more of the obscure kind of characters. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. I, I knew a little, I'd I'd never heard of Penny Parker. I'd never heard of Peter Parker. No, me neither. Uh, but I definitely heard of Spider-Man Noir because like, I mean, like, number one, that fucking name is badass, Spider-Man Noir. Uh, and number two, I remember that, like hearing about the casting for this. I was like, "Fucking Nicolas Cage is going to be in this movie." <laughs> oh, dude, and he shines in this shit. Like, like it's so odd when I heard that it was Nicolas Cage. I was like, "Wait, what?" I was like, "That that's fucking crazy." Especially after him doing like Ghost Rider and stuff. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna." I don't know how this is gonna be, but I love his introduction. They're like, he's standing up on that web, and the and the wind's blowing. They're like, "Where's the wind even coming from? We're in a basement." <laughs> <laughs> like that's such a good line. I but love not, that. Oh, but not only that, dude. I love his backstory. Like, I love that. Like the idea of like Spider Man fighting Nazis. Holy shit. Holy shit! Well, that gets me hard. He's basic. He's basically Nick Valentine from Fallout Four. If he were Spider Man, yeah, you know, he that's is. Like all, that's all. That's all I can think of. Um, I don't. I, I don't remember- want to go past. Oh, just quickly. 
I don't want to go past uh, when they get down there and they see all the suits. Pretty much all of these are playable in the new Spider-Man game, Spider-Man, the PlayStation 4 one. Um, But there's also the actual specific suit that was designed and created for Spider-Man PlayStation 4. It's called the Advanced Suit. It's all the way on the far left. It's the one with the big, massive white spider, uh, uh, like... On the thing, right? It's awesome. Yeah, there, there's a there's a couple of them in here. There's like the 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 metal like silver uh, Spider-Man suit, which is one of my personal favorites. There's also one of his suits, the Dusk Spider-Man outfit, which is really cool. There's a couple of stealth suits thrown in there. There's one where you know he's got the cape, and apparently that's from like a What If uh, Spider-Man universe. If Uncle Ben hadn't died, and like Spider-Man became like a celebrity with like oh, a PR cool. team and stuff. And yeah, it, there's a lot. Of, like if you do some digging, there's some really really interesting shit in there but uh inside they're they're introduced to noir spider ham penny parker the spider the spider people conclude that one of them will have to stay behind and destroy the collider after everyone leaves through it oh did you miss the cum joke wait what there's a cum joke here where peter porker walks up to him and uh goes to shake their hands like my hands are wet See, I didn't know. I thought that might have been one of those, like, you shake someone's hand and it's wet, and they're like, I hope it's a clean wet. Like, you know, that kind of, that old joke about somebody pissing all over their hand. Um, there's a great what is kid you know sketch about that, which is hilarious. The, um, But, yeah, th- this is where they conclude all of them, you know, somebody who has to stay behind the story of the Collider uh, while all of them make it through. All of them volunteer but are shut down by Miles. Um, in return, they are just kind of, like, pushing Miles' buttons here. I like Peter B. He's just like, you know, but he can do the invisible thing. And he's like, can't do it. He's like, ah, but, you know, he's got this venom <laughs> strike. And he's just like, and Jake like, Johnson's like, so good, dude. <laughs> Well, it reminds me of Logan, like, forcing the claws out, like an erectile dysfunction, like, kind of thing. Uh, right, right, exactly. Um, I I also don't want to go past just, like, like how you get their backstories, like, all three of these guys. Um, like, it's all kind of, like, all at once, uh, and, like, they all have similar backstories. But you know what I really love, dude? And, like, we'll get to it, like, when it when it matters for, for Miles. The comic book... Like the the comic book just slamming onto the screen and it's just like their stories, like here we go. And it feels so earned when Miles gets hit Miles gets his. Like, you know what I mean? It's just a really like nice little touch. Oh yeah, I, I like that a lot. I I like everything they're sh- they're throwing at him. Like and I like the constant leg sweeps that that happen to Miles, and eventually it's what he uses on Peter B at the end. Uh, he punt- can you sw- uh, can you swing with the f- and flip the grace of a dancer? Can you close off your feelings so you're not crippled by the moral ambigu- ambiguity of your actions? <laughs> like <laughs> God, he's so fucking great. Spider Man Award just like shines in this. Can you flo- can you float through the air while you smell a delicious pie? <laughs> like oh man, Spider-Ham- John Mulaney. John Mulaney's great in this. I thought it was Nathan Lane, man. I really did. It sounded so much like Nathan Lane when I was when I was watching it. I was like, oh, this is Albert from the Birdcage. That's like all I can think of. <laughs> but they kind of test him. They're pushing his buttons. Come on, you could do it. The most important thing is that you get back up after you get hit. Be, uh, oh, yeah, but they end up inevitably concluding that Miles isn't ready to be Spider-Man. I like the fact they turn around and he's just like, fuck this. And he just leaves. That's great. I like that touch. Like, he's like, you know what? Maybe you're right. He just kind of goes off by himself for a minute. I, I, I really dig that. The fact that he's like, I'm not going to. And then he goes invisible because of, I guess through like embarrassment. You know, I, I really enjoyed that, that, that kind of touch. But he leaves in search of his uncle Aaron as his mother and father search for him. I like the fact that, yeah, the parents aren't just, like, gone. It's not like an 80s kids movie where the parents are like, all right, I'm beyond on Viking, go have fun. It's not something like that. <laughs> but he, he, you know, he's searching for his uncle. He uh, 
Arriving at his uncle's, Miles begins to pin a heartfelt note to Aaron, but a surprise when the Prowler arrives and is shockingly revealed to actually be Aaron himself. Now, there, did you pick up on any of these clues at all throughout the movie that he actually is the Prowler? There's a couple of them sprinkled out. Did you catch any of them? Uh, I mean, just just that one moment where, uh, like, when they're when they're doing the the tag for no expectations, and uh, Aaron gets a text message and he's like, "I gotta go." That's all I. That's all See, I picked I, up on. I didn't catch. I didn't catch that one. The only one that I caught was <laughs> if you look on the wall above the couch, there's actually like a panther on the wall. Oh, like nice. It's like a, and, and at one point, he wears a shirt that's like it's like something something New York Prowlers or like Panthers or something like that. Oh, that's cool. I thought that was really interesting. Um, now, well, in this, I gotta play sorry, the go score, ahead. dude. I gotta I gotta play Do the it. score. This is fucking awesome. This is this is titled "The Prowler" by Daniel Pemberton. Have a listen. That's fucking awesome, dude. Well, I love that. For one thing, I can't believe I'm just now picking up on how much the Prowler looks like Spawn with the weird, yeah. like the design on his, the bl- the black on the purple. And I, you and can I get love, Michael J. White for this as well. Oh, God, that'd be too fucking cool. Well, that sound as well has been so overused by so much other stuff. You know, it's like any any kind of trailer, you know, it'd be like, oh, we have to stop them. It's like that crazy just blast of sound. But I like the way that they use it here. It's not so overdone it, as everybody. Yeah, it, it, it sounds a little different than that, though. Like those are, those are more horns. This is... A- if I had to put it uh, close to something, it sounds like um, you've seen you've seen the new Halloween, right? The one that came out last year. No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Uh, well, John Carpenter did the music for that, right? Like, as he uh, because that's what he does. Yeah, of course, he did. Right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and what it, what he did to achieve like this this really crazy. Uh, it, it's what it's this sound. I can't really describe it, but it's very similar. What he did was he took a violin bow and like he put it across an electric guitar, so it kind of has this like really like distinct sort of like sound, and it sounds like a horn. That's what this sounds like to me. Like it sounds like it sounds very similar to that, and I'm just like, man, like that that fucking sounds awesome, and it sounds so unique too. Yeah, and I like the wine the wham the wind down of it is is what I really enjoy about that. Uh, But Miles flees, but Prowler gives chase through the streets of New York before a crash allows Miles to barely escape. I also like the parallels here with the uncle with a dynamic with Spider-Man. The fact that his uncle is not the, he is and is not the cause of his origin here. The, the whole thing of, it's almost like the, the events of the movie itself is, or are, the events of the movie themselves are the test. It's the it's the it's the hero's journey, you know, the call to action. And uh, it's not even so much that he rejects the call. It's that he's just he's not ready. You know, this is kind of like uh, like Luke on Dagobah kind of thing. The fact that, yes, I know that you're so eager and you're so willing to do this, but you need more time. You need to train. You might go and help these people out, but it's also like you might be kind of sealing their fate if you if you fuck this up in a way. But the 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 kind of parallel between Uncle Ben dying being the catalyst for 
for Peter Parker to become Spider-Man. But the Prowler, or I'm sorry, Aaron being the Prowler is one of the motivating things that helps Miles become Spider-Man because it's he he inevitably is pushing him closer and closer as an agent of of, of Kingpin is pushing him closer and closer to becoming his own Spider-Man. I really like that. I like that they change that dynamic a little bit, and, but they do kind of pay a little bit of homage to it uh, here in a minute when we get this um, when we get this fight. You know, he chases him through the streets of New York, this crash, he escapes, back in Night Maze, another quote-unquote goober is made, and Miles returns, but is followed by Prowler, Fisk, Fisk Tombstone, Doc Ock, and Scorpion. The uh, This fight, I love that. I, I was not expecting Scorpion either. He's got this weird, he's got a Darth Maul kind of like the spider walk leg. Like, he reminded me of Gary Oldman in Lost in Space. That's like all I could think of, you know, with that crazy spider kind of feel. But uh, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you haven't reached it yet, but there is a, like, they're setting up Scorpion in the MCU. And I don't think you've reached it yet, but it's in Homecoming. Uh, and, and you will reach it. You'll know who it is. But the guy that they got to play him, uh, his name is Michael Mando. And seriously, like, you could like pull Michael Mando from that and put him in this. Like if you just like put like CJ CGI around him in this character, like Michael Mando is a fantastic actor. He's in, uh, he's also in uh, better call soul. He's, he's great. And it's just such a great choice for like Scorpion in the MCU. If we, if that does go forward. Well, and, I, I, I really I really like they uh, and well Scorpion was a huge part of the animated series. I love that. The Grant Grant something was his name, I can't remember. But uh, you know, Lily Tomlin is Aunt May. She's like, Can we take this outside, please? We don't choose the ballroom. We just well, you know, we just choose to dance or something like that. Uh, but this whole fight breaks out. They're all fighting over the goober, quote unquote. And, you know, that four panel thing of like Aunt May watching everything get destroyed. And she picks up the bat <laughs> and fucks Tombstone off. I was like, cool. I like that. I dig it. Aunt May is always just kind of a kindly old, you know, can't do anything lady. So in this one, it's, it's nicing her with like a little bit more resiliency. I enjoy that. Um, she's not just constantly a damsel in distress. Um, a fight ensues. The Goobers pass around like a football. Maybe think of the Gauntlet and Infinity War. Um, yeah, and Prowler. I'm glad you that up. Well, the well, and the Prowler finally catches Miles. I love this whole fight between them. He's got the table, and he's just getting closer and closer. Uh, catches Miles. Miles takes off his mask and reveals to Aaron that it is in fact his nephew. This is great. I love the whole deliberation of what to do and. Um, you know, Aaron, please. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. He, he's just so like, fuck. That's, this is a great reveal. It's really good. This was such a dark scene, too, because it's like you can hear, you can hear uh, Miles struggling for breath. And like, as soon as he's able to, like, get, a breath out like he uses it to say Aaron Aaron and man like I'm like <laughs> first time I saw this I'm like is Uncle Aaron about to fucking murder him like is that why he's putting the mask back on like is he putting the mask back on so he could kill his nephew like without like the kind of burden of looking at his face while he dies yeah, but like, like this got me, dude. Like, just the way, just the way this kind of like fight also escalates, right? Because they go upstairs, like you know, like they end up on the roof, and the tiles like are coming off, and like they slide all the way to the edge. And yeah, like, like I just wasn't expecting like this to go this way. Um, and of course, like the way that ends with with, with Kingpin shooting um, the prowl in the back, like that's that's crazy, dude. Well, especially for a PG film. 
I was like, what? wow, like this is this ain't a motherfucking nineteen eighty eight PG movie. This is twenty eighteen. Like this is it's very hard to get away with that kind of shit in a PG. Obviously, they don't actually show the wound. It's great. It's just that they do that real quick negative of him like arching up, and you're like, oh shit. But it's it's awesome because this is this is Kingpin. He's not gonna sit there and go and take you fucking toe to toe. You have the shit he wants. He's just gonna fucking shoot you. Like that totally makes sense. He's not a super powered being by any means. Aaron uh, deliver uh, he I'm sorry Aaron uh, deliberates on purpose you know and I like the fact that they don't leave it ambiguous he kind of puts his hands up and starts moving back and right when he does that fix fist just shoots him in the back like oh that's fucking awful man but uh yeah, so Aaron is shot by Fisk, um, and this is this is what I'm talking about. Where Miles now he can have the Uncle Ben origin moment. This is another thing that's kind of it's not the whole reason, but it is a it is a portion of that, and I think that's great. It's a good way to pay homage to the original Spider-Man origin story, but also let this guy. Uh, let Miles do his own thing in the process. And I think it's fantastic. It was a really nice touch to throw that in. And, and it made it seem so much different from Peter Parker's Spider-Man, which really needed to happen. I think when you're constantly seeing Bruce Wayne's parents get shot in Crime Alley, Uncle Ben gets shot. You know, it's always the same origins over and you know, <laughs> Superman lands in Kansas, or Superman lands in Smallville. He's fine by Jonathan and Martha. I like the fact that they swapped this up a little bit, especially once you introduce the dynamic of that, the Prowler's brother being, you know, the, the cop it adds a whole other layer to it. It's, it's great. Right. Uh, um, of course. Yeah. And, and Jefferson, are we are we up to the part like where he, where he actually dies in the alley and like Jefferson calls in the APB? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, dude, I love that man because it's just like he walks up to him and he's just like he's like Aaron, like what the fuck? And then he just calls in the APB on Spider Man. I was like, oh fuck, man, he he just called in an APB on his son. Like fuck, that's 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 some superhero comic book shit. I love it. Um, I also don't want to go past the score here as well, man. Again, Pemberton knocks it out of the park. Um, Colin, I'm just going to play this just quickly. This is called On Your Way uh, from from the score. It's it's fantastic. Uh, it, it's it's Do it. as he dies, which is very sad, but yeah. It's beautiful. It, it, it gets me. It, yeah. it like it, it's honestly, actually, really moving. Well, you can slap that in any Spider-Man film, and it works. It yeah. absolutely works. That that feels like Spider-Man. That's you know, what I'm I think saying. When you add yeah. in when when you add in the when you add in horns, or you do something that's more regal. That feels more Avengers. When you add in something that's more string, you know, that the only Heroic. thing that honestly. Right. The only thing that's that that kind of piece even reminded me of a little bit is the end of um, the first X-Men movie when when Wolverine is trying to revive Rogue on the top of the Statue of Liberty. Great piece of music, by the way. Fucking fantastic. But that's the only thing it kind of reminds me of is. Fuck, that's a deep throw. That's 20 years old. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's still it's fucking. I mean, really, when you think about it, though, we're talking about Sam Raimi, Spider-Man and X-Men that's three, four years apart, like tops. But the 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 death of a major character in that way, it's just it's just so fantastic. Um, Miles's father arrives and puts out an APB for the new Spider-Man. The group reconvenes back at Miles's room. I like 
Jefferson putting out the APB because now before he really had a problem with Spider-Man and, and, you know, he had no problem letting that know, but now he has a person, a, a professional first, you have a, a professional and a moral reason to catch him. Now you have a personal reason to catch him. And I can kind of start seeing this Ahab and the white whale, like kind of thing going on here where he's now you, I would have liked to have seen Jefferson maybe a little bit more, determined to catch Spider-Man because it's just kind of like, oh, you put out an APB. Well, that's kind of standard protocol. I would have liked to have seen Jefferson kind of put himself out there a little bit more personally. Like, I'm going to catch the son of a bitch and I'm going to kill him or something. I know it's a PG movie, but, you know, you, I, I would have liked how to have seen that, that a end? little bit more. At a- like, like, how do you resolve that, though? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, how do, how do you, if you if you start going down that track, then like, where, where, where do you end up? Like, from a writing perspective. Well, I think See, and I don't really know. It still ends the same way in this movie because I think it's great. Once he witnesses firsthand what Spider-Man is doing, he has his preconceived notions of Spider-Man totally destroyed. But if there was just at least one seat of Jefferson maybe back at home with his wife and he's like, oh, Aaron died. He's like, yeah, and it was Spider-Man. She's like, listen, you don't know that. I saw him, you know, I saw him standing there like I'm going to I'm going to kill him. Like if you can see him, it starts to personally affect him more because before it's just a – you know, it's just two guys on the different side. They're on the same side of the law, but even on that side of the law, they're still on different sides. So I think if you can show that this is affecting Jefferson a lot more personally or he takes this more personally, other than I'm putting out an APB, well, you would have put out an APB anyways. You're a cop. I want to see you personally, you know, kind of letting this affect you a little bit more. Uh, and it's it's not a huge gripe. It's not a huge nitpick. But all we have is that one scene of him kind of mourning Aaron. And then he says something later on to, to Miles. And that's really about it. Because I, th- I think his – I think if you were to draw a little bit more of – yeah, he has this hatred, this this uh, like he's he's starting to have the beginnings of like a J. Jonah Jameson, like hate, like hatred for Spider-Man. If, if we can see the seeds of that being planted, then it means so much more at the end where he's like, oh, my God, like he's actually a good guy. And also him having that vengeful spirit in him to to catch the person that did this to his brother also at the same time is directly driving his son farther away from him even though he doesn't know it that's so tragic and that's the beauty of spider-man is there's always this level of like shakespearean tragedy in the spider-man stuff you know if only i'd done this if only i'd done that so like i think it fits with jefferson well if only i'd backed off personally a little bit which is hard it's easy to say you know my brother's been never never been murdered by you know a, a, a crime boss in new york but I think to see that really pushed maybe a little yeah <laughs> I I think maybe to see that I just wanted to see it affect him a little bit more was was all I was saying I get, like, I get a good what you scene mean. in the I get what you mean it's yeah. a good scene in the alley but like yeah I could have used a little bit more uh, they reconvene back at Miles's room I I love all this they're like you okay he's like no you know it's just something none of you guys would ever understand like well actually you know we're about the only people that do understand and I love oh the spider ham here they said that this was actually supposed to be a spider ham joke at first like but they were like you know it kind of Spider-Man Sp- Spider-Ham doesn't really get a, a shit ton of screen time in this he never really he has one or two scenes where he's like really you know dishing it out but he's always there for comedic relief so they were like actually adding him being the one who drops this really thought provoking line and in the shot everybody's staring and turning at him. It's great. It's 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 super great. Dude, um, the hardest I'm no, I'm, go I'm not gonna lie, when I saw Spider Ham in the in the trailers for this, 
Uh, that that pushed me more further into the territory of, oh, it's a fucking kids movie. I'm not going to watch it. It's a cartoon. Like, fuck that shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because I'm, I'm just, like, biased. Like, you know, if it's if it's animated. Because it's tough to sell this movie to people. Like, I tell people to watch this movie all the time, and they're like, oh, that's the animated one, right? Like, when I saw Spider-Ham in the trailers, I was like, oh, God, God all right. Okay, fine. <laughs> you know, it's, it's for kids, right. I guess. But um, when he well, actually did appear, and and you know, this this scene in particular, I was just like, "Damn, I really dig him." Well, yeah, and and I think that I still think that somewhere down the line, it would be awesome to see a live action, somewhat like, I don't want to say, I because you don't want to just repeat this formula again, but it would be really awesome to see a like a physical, you know, listen, we have. Uh, Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, maybe two, th- two or three other people, and it's like a live action Spider Man, um, yeah, like the like the animated the animated series did back in the day, where they had eight or nine different of them. They had Ben Riley as the Scarlet Spider. They had the Armored Spider Man. Uh, instead of taking like three maybe obscure Spider Men that people don't really know about, I think instead of and it was for Spider Man Noir, I knew a little bit about, but I think. It would it would have been, it would be nice to see three other like Spider Man UK like the punk Spider Man with like the vest and the spikes coming through like I know that one decently well or I I really know the Ben Riley Spider Man really well I was hoping they would go in more of a direction like that but I do like the fact that they picked three kind of more obscure versions of him to kind of show just how diverse that this world really is. I think it would be a lot easier to just say, oh, we got this badass Spider-Man and this badass Spider-Man. It's like, no, we have these three totally different, I mean, culturally, time-wise. Like, you know, the three that they pull, one of them's a Looney Tunes, one from the 30s, and one from, like, 3145. You're like, holy shit. So I do like it, but I wouldn't mind seeing something in the future of, like, a more, not a PG-rated version of this. You know what I mean? Maybe something a little bit grittier I would be cool with. Not a Zack Snyder grittier, you know, but, but, but something a little bit darker would be kind of cool but yeah peter elects that he will be the one to stay behind and destroy the collider since miles is not ready yet peter challenges miles to use his powers yet nothing happens with peter saying that he isn't ready when will i know when i'm ready you won't it's a leap of faith very cool we'll get that line back here in a minute well and the group uh their group make their way to the collider leaving miles behind uh great shot of them all swinging away it's like oh that's so sad you can really feel some miles in that scene seeing all seeing his destiny like swing away like oh that's 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 heartbreaking miles's father arrives while he is webbed to the chair and pours his heart out after aaron's death fearing that he fearing that the divide between the two brothers will also happen between he and miles after his confession, Miles' uh, Miles's emotions allow him to venom strike the webbing and leaves, going off to create a Spider-Man for himself. Really good moment between the two of them, man. It's it's so it's great, good, dude. This is, so good. It's 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 kind of all the stuff that I I feel like this is like if Uncle Ben could say something to Peter, you know, because if Peter had just been open with him and saying, "Hey, yeah, this is what I'm going, and this is what's happening to me," there's always this lack of communication between the superhero and the family kind of dynamic. So I, I really enjoyed this scene, especially for Jefferson. You can tell how hard this is for him. Like, what did you think about this, uh, this scene? Oh, d- dude, uh, this was one of my, probably what my second favorite moment in the entire movie. Cause my favorite one is about to come up, but um, you can hear, you can hear the, 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 
the loss and the uh, the sadness in Brian Tyree Henry's voice, dude. Like he does such a great job as as Jefferson here, man. Like you, you can, he's just ah, oh, I don't, I've, I have no words. Every time I watch this scene, dude, like it just it just gets me. Like I love that. Like take away the practical stuff of it, dude. Like take away the fact that his son is like is Spider Man and is like tied like you know behind a chair. This is honestly a father trying to connect with his son. Like that's the base element of it, and, and it just I don't know. It's just absolutely outstanding, and and it gets me every fucking time, dude. And I and I love the fact that all the all the waiters are dressed up like Spider Man and and Spider Man War is like ah a little tasteless but might be able to use that to our advantage <laughs> like that's a, that's a really good line I dig that uh, yes m- so Miles leaves to create a Spider Man for himself the group arrive at Fix at Fix Hold uh, up Kingpins I'm just gonna say Kingpins <laughs> do what did we did we uh, did we talk about the montage yet um. Oh, with him jumping off the building. I think Fuck we yeah. are just like right there. Yeah. Oh, dude, this is uh, every this this scene gives me goosebumps all every fucking time. Uh like like I I I'm just gonna play it. I'm just gonna play it, play the song. Like this is this is my eye of the tiger. Like I play this song all the fucking time, <laughs> dude. Whenever I'm on the treadmill and I run, like this is what I play, ready? It's a little it's a little lengthy, so bear with me. <laughs> Miles power with a blindfold on. Mom always asking, Where did I go wrong? Took you long enough. What's up, danger? What's up, danger? Now, see this, this spark. It's amazing. Whatever you choose to do with it, you'll be great. Our family doesn't run from things. You're the best of all of us, Mom. You're on your way. Keep going. When do I know I'm Spider Man? You won't. That's all it is, Miles. A leap of faith. Like, what's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? Made of myself. They fit perfectly. <laughs> Dude, I just, well, especially when they bring in that that bomb. Yeah, that's the best part Dude. of it. Because like, I, anytime you add in strings or horns or piano with like a rap, like in that beat coming in, that's what I love. Absolutely. That's the kind of shit. Like, 
like California love that. That's the kind of stuff of like rap beats and, and the and the and the and the actual rap the 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 melody itself over these classical instruments sounds fantastic. I love it, dude. Like Pemberton score coming in uh, behind "What's Up, Danger?" There, it's it's just a fucking masterstroke, man. Like, and it's. It, honestly, I'm not. I know this is a bold statement. This, this is this might be one of my favorite sequences in any movie ever. Like I can watch this scene so many fucking times because it's just like he's he's carved out his own identity. Like it's him also like spray painting the uh, the, the the costume, which is so inherently Miles Morales. Like it's so like you know just the fact that it's a it's basically a graffiti tag. Like it's all black. Um, it's awesome, man. And like, he's just swinging through, like he's finally got the web shooters now. Like it's Aunt May that gave it to him. It's his universe is Aunt May that gave it to him as well, which is kind of cool. And he's just swinging through, man. Like, it, like the way he leaps off that building and it's just that inverted shot of him, like diving off it. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 Just, just absolutely amazing. And this is, this scene alone is worth the fucking price of entry, dude. <laughs> No, yeah, especially that track. Who now? Is, is this the Little Wayne track? No, no, no. Fuck that shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one, dude. I like Little Wayne's track on this. Uh, on the soundtrack. No, no, it, it is good. Like this is this is the first one off the 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 official soundtrack. It's called "What's Up Danger" by Black Way and Black Caviar. Um, and then after, right after that, you got Sunflower. Like those two have just been on repeat for the last fucking week. So. No, yeah, that's that. That is my favorite piece of music from this. I, I can remember what it, what the name of it was. I meant to jot it down when I was taking notes, but I could not for the life of me find it through the soundtrack again. I was like, God damn it, because I kept waiting for those horns to come in every song. I get like two minutes in and never hear it, and I was like, Ah, fuck it, I'll find it. I'm sure Zohel will play it. Um, <laughs> I got. I guess if you play all of them in one episode, you're bound to play the one I pretty like eventually. Much. Um, pretty much. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, the group arrive at uh, Kingspin Kingpins, where he's throwing a benefit in memory of Spider in memory of Spider Man. Uh, MJ sees Peter B. and asks if she can have some more bread at table twelve. Uh, but beneath the building, however, uh, Kingpin's second attempt with the collider rages on, with the Spider Group attempting to stop it. But they are intercepted by Doc Ock and some armed goons. This whole thing was with Peter B. and which I'm just saying Peter B. because that's just that's the best Peter B. Parker. You know, that's the best way for me, honestly, to kind of differentiate all the all the different Peter Parkers in this fucking movie. Um, but I really enjoy what this this whole thing with him and his art too you know there's a reason why he's always volunteering and being the one to stay behind and shit is maybe it's like miles is running head on into his problems and trying to overcome them and he's just a little you know he's just reckless and he's a little eager whereas like peter b is just kind of like he he's damaged he's shell-shocked from all of the stuff uh, he's he's afraid to do this afraid to do this again you know it's 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 the one problem that he just can't punch or web or swing away from you know it's it's something that and no matter how no matter how many guys you beat up it'll still be there at the end of the day bothering you and i really enjoy that i, I like his arc a lot in this it's a very small one it's not very detailed it's not very big but it's still really good i do enjoy it Oh, yeah, beneath the building, however, Fist, uh, yeah, his collider goes on. They end up up in the Doc Ock with some armed goons. Just in the nick of time, Miles arrives and throws hands with Doc. This is a, this is a really, really great, really great scene, especially with him 
him swinging in and well at first her own claw like starts punching her and shit and i'm like oh cool because if when they first fight in like the woods and shit like none of them lay a hand on doc ock because i guess it was you know it's pg movie they're like oh we don't want to show these two guys beating the shit out of this woman in the woods you know (laughs) like that's not the message we want to send off like but um i like the fact that just right here they all just start decking the fuck out of her and she's she's not you know doc ock i think is sometimes more easily defeated in other movies and this one she's very she's like you said earlier formidable. she's very um yeah she's very formidable she's very precise she's efficient i really enjoy that and, and i like her arms they're not the metal you know triangle shaped kind of arms they're like this i don't know like this plastic tubing kind of look like they seem like they can stretch some like i really i really dig that i really do and this is where we uh insert our typical standard big battle scene <laughs> but it's awesome this is it, it, it might be something that you have to do in a lot of in a lot of these movies, but it's great to see uh, you know the the scorpion fighting with uh, with Penny Parker, but um, but also with Spider Man Noir fighting. Uh, what is it? It's Tombstone, right? I keep wanting to say Hammerhead. No, it's, no, it's Tombstone. Tombstone. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was like, wait, Hammerhead, that's not the right one. It's just that flat top shit, you know. It's looking. He's look, he's looking like he came out of a fucking nineties sitcom, but um. But now this, especially when he's fighting with Tombstone, I love, I absolutely love Spider-Man in War's line where he's like, he said, is that all you got? You're going to throw with your fist or just bumping gums, <laughs> you hard-boiled turtle snapper? <laughs> <laughs> Those are great lines, man. Um, but I also like the fact that they don't walk out of this completely unscathed. Like Scorpion really starts fucking up Penny Parker. They were going to kill her in the original draft. And really? Like, no, that's too. Yeah, they, because she's kind of the most the the obviously the I think the littlest known out of all of them. And they they were kind of like ah, you know, we're not really that upset if she dies. Like we're just kind of need. Think- uh, but we did. De- Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, like yeah, I I feel like we didn't um, talk enough about her because like. I mean, look, there's not that much to talk about her, but like her animation style, like I love that it is like that anime sort of like manga style, and it's like so like inherently different to um, the 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 animation style that uh, the movie's going for as well. Right, and they play that up a lot more than it is in the comic books. Apparently, it's not that super anime, but they were wanting oh. to cross as many genres as they could, which I thought I thought was interesting. Challenging themselves when there wasn't even really a necessity for it from the source material, I thought was I thought was was nice of them to challenge themselves in that way. Um, well, and her whole thing is what she got bit by the radioactive spider, but the spider is also linked to this armor. It's called like. SP forward slash forward slash like DR or something. It's like a it's the spider armor. Spider. And see what I <clears throat> what I thought was that the armor was like something to do with her dad. That her dad was spiritually connected with the armor, but apparently that's not the case. In her origin, in her comic book, apparently her dad was the pilot of the Spider Man armor, and then he gets killed. She gets adopted by her Aunt May and Uncle Ben, and then she becomes this new Spider-Man. But um, all she does is when she goes back to 3145, she just builds a new suit of armor. So I'm like, ah, this isn't really – I mean, it's kind of sad, but, like, it's not really earned all that well if she's just going to go and build another one. You no, know, it's 
I guess it's kind of like losing an Iron Man suit with Jarvis still inside. But like, if you just go and build another one, I guess it doesn't hit that hard. Maybe that's why they don't spend so much time on it. You know, it's not like when Aaron dies. We we have a whole scene with everybody kind of crowding around and being like, "Hey, are you okay?" Like, we get a brief moment of that with the spider suit, uh, the spider armor uh, suit. But but I dig this. I like the fact that she pulls the spider out. And she actually has to hold on to it <clears throat> because apparently in her origin, the suit will not work without that spider. I was like. Oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Like, she technically doesn't really have any powers, but she has to get bit by the spider to control the the suit along along with it. I was like, oh, that's 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 pretty cool. I, I dig that. Uh, where are we? Oh yeah, this big battle ensues. Eventually, Doc Ock is hit by a fucking big rig. Scorpion and Tombstone are defeated, while unfortunately, oh, Penny dude. Spider Armor dies. <laughs> I love I love Peter B. Parker's like reaction as <laughs> she gets hit by the bus or the the, the truck. <laughs> She's yeah, got the hand up to the mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, and I, I'm not gonna lie, kind of pushing it for a PG movie. You're like, yeah. wow, what the fuck? Um, but uh, but yeah, so they finally were able to plug the goober in to the collider. I love uh, Spider-Man War. I I love you all. I'm taking this cube with me. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> he just he literally just does the the two finger salute and then just drops out of frame sideways and just goes flying down. But they they all say their goodbyes. Um, Spider Ham gives him the gives him the uh, that the the fucking big wooden mallet and he's like, "That's all, folks." Is he legally allowed to say that? That's a great line, dude. That was hilarious. Uh yeah, and I like I like this uh, I, I like this this scene between he and uh, Spider Gwen. This whole thing of she doesn't really have friends. She goes, well, you know, I am molded to you by fifteen months. Well, Einstein did say that uh, time is relative, right? Friends, she's like friends, and I dig this because this is something that kind of comes back at the very end of the movie that that definitely sets us up for a sequel of something going on between these these different universes. But everybody is kind of you know jumping into their <clears throat> jumping into their respective. Uh, getting back to their respective uh, universes. And uh, and yeah, this is where, what is it? This is, uh, oh yeah, where Kingpin shows up. <coughs> um, because, I mean, I guess his family hasn't hasn't slipped through the collider yet. Uh, but w- what I really dig is, I, we kind of skip past this at the very beginning. The whole reason why there are multiple Spider-Men are because Spider-Man, the goblin, is the one who shoves him into the collider. Therefore, he is the one that it duplicates and pulls the different out of the different dimensions. It's like That's cool. I dig that. I like the fact that it's whoever you put in the middle of this thing is is who is going to be summoned. I was like, right. that's really fucking cool. I really dig that. I kind of skipped over that yeah. you know, at the very beginning. I wasn't even thinking about it. No, no, because it's no, it, it makes sense because, like, you know, you get uh, Kingpin's goons uh, saying that they're going to put the, like, um, Vanessa and Richard's DNA into the collider. So it makes sense that when, like, Peter's, like, face gets, like, smushed into the collider beam that it is the Spider-Man that are coming out. So, yeah, it makes sense. Right. <clears throat> No, oh yeah, this is the part where he does the leg sweep, right? And he's and he gets the sweep well, I'm sorry, the leg. That. Yeah, <laughs> well, he does the leg sweep and gets the goober from uh, from Peter B. And he's like, "Don't watch the mouth, watch the hands." Like that's a really good uh, like kind of send back. Um, he sends them back to the respective universes, except for Peter B., who attempts to stay behind once uh, once Kingpin attacks, but is shut down by Miles, who sends him back home packing. I love all this. Like, what if I, you know, what if basically, what if I fuck it up this time? He's like, uh, you know, how will I know? Well, you won't. It's a leap of faith. That's good. I like all these callbacks. It's really good. 
Uh, all on his own, Miles must face down Fisk and shut down the Collider. The two battle back and forth with Fisk seemingly killing Miles, but Miles manages to summon the strength with help from his father's motivating words. It's a really nice scene. I, I dig that, and I dig the, uh, what is it, uh, is Franklin and Vanessa, is that uh, Richard and Vanessa? Richard, his, Richard his and Vanessa. Wife and, yeah. Richard, thank you. Uh, th- like, all the different, it's like, no matter what, Kingpin is fucked, because it's all these different versions of them on the subway car, seeing him do this all over again. Because I, I got the feeling that it wasn't just one glitching around, it was several different universes of them seeing him do this. So, like, no matter which one, they, if the, even if they were to get pulled out, like, they would still see him as this horrible monster. I really dig that. That's great. Like, no matter which way you spin it, like, he's going to be totally fucked. And, uh, Miles does the, uh, well, yeah, and he slams into Miles and just, god damn, the brutality of him, you know, he catches both his fists, fucking, like, headbutts him and just slams him into the ground. You're like, oh, my god, like, his fist is, is like, the size of Miles' abdomen. You're like, holy hell. I don't know if I dig the whole kingpin fucking catching cars like strength I'm like what are you the hulk man come on like i know he's a big dude and, and it's a cartoon he's supposed to be this insanely powerful large dude but i think like all right that's a little over the top but you get away See, that it's a cartoon I don't, fuck it. I don't mind it because it could also be i mean like this this being another dimension this could this might not be the kingpin that we know like do you know what i mean like this could be a kingpin with abilities that might exist in another dimension that we are watching it's the blob from X-Men who, who just becomes Kingpin. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just fucking Vincent D'Onofrio just himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. You know who played the Kingpin that was like actually pretty decent back in the day? Fucking Michael Clark Duncan. Rest. I knew you were going to say pace. something about him. Rest in peace. Yeah. I fucking knew you were going to say something. He was awesome, um, dude. Like that movie was like below average, but he was, I remember him being great as Kingpin. Well, and I, I dig their fight at the end with the the sprinklers going off, and it allows them to see everything. I did, I did yeah. like that. Yeah, fuck you, yeah. god damn it. <laughs> but um, uh. uh, his father's motivating words give him the strength to fight back. Miles does the shoulder trick, and Venom strikes Fisk across the collider. Uh, before webbing him up and throwing him into the switch. The collider explodes. Uh, Miles talks to his dad and a Fisk. I put Fisk. Or I put Fish. Fisk is Fisk is arrested. Holy not fuck, fish. you're out there? Yeah, it's just this. I can imagine just this giant, like fucking, like this, like this giant trout in the web, just like flipping around, like just like a fish out of water. That's all I can fucking think of now. Um, but I mean, I mean, we're kind of we're basically kind of wrapping everything up here. I like you know him him sending him flying. We get the callback with the shoulder trick. Uh, you know, oh, he dude, the shoulder touch everything. was great. Yes. Um, at first, I thought when he said shoulder touch in the beginning, th- there was a little trick that somebody showed me back in the day is when you're sitting next to like a girl and you're in a theater or something like that. <laughs> and you're really like kind of wanted, wanting to put your arm around. You can just look at them and go, have you ever played uh, the counting shoulders game? And they're like, what? And you start with your left shoulder and go to the right. You're like one, two, three, four. So when you hit four, your arm is all the way over on her on her her right shoulder. So your arms just stretch all the way out. Trust me, Colin. What the fuck are you talking about? You know, like it's basically like (laughs) say you're standing next to somebody, Jesus Christ, and they're on they're on your right. So you count. You start go. Hey, have you ever started counting shoulders? They say no. You you go from left to right. Your two shoulders. One, 
two, and then her three and four. And on the fourth one, your arm is stretched all the way over on her shoulder on the right. You know what I mean? That makes no. sense now. Can you visualize that, you fuck? <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, is this uh, okay? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Fucking, how old are you? Uh, I'm, I'm old enough now for this conversation to be over. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Jesus Christ. That's, that's all, that's all I was saying. Like, that's the first thing I thought when he said the shoulder trick, I was like, oh my God, is, is he doing what I think he's doing? Um, anyways, Jesus, God, my, my, my pussy skills are wasted, are wasted on these people. Um, <laughs> I fucking I gotta God, play another track. Goddamn boat! Oh Jesus! Christ. <laughs> all right, all right. So this is <laughs> you right there. <laughs> God, I mean, <laughs> if if my if my one bad if my one bad counting shoulders joke is what is what puts you into old age, then I have died nine hundred times listening to these fucking tracks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cold. Uh, holy fuck, God, I need to laugh this off, so I'm going to play. Literally, the track is called Shoulder Touch <laughs> by, by Daniel Pemberton. Ready? <laughs> No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> you can fuck off. I don't know who you are anymore. Let's fucking finish this episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they destroy the collider. I, I like the scene between Miles and Jefferson where he's, he, you know, he well, he calls him at first and is talking to him about Aaron and he just jumps down there in the suit. He's like, gives him a hug. He's like, really, uh, really good work. I love, it. I I love all of this. <laughs> the, the voice dropping and stuff gives him a hug. He's like, I love you. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? This, uh, yeah. And of course, uh, Fisk is, is wrapped up in the wedding, webbing arrested. We see Miles being more successful, successful at school. He's being more successful as Spider-Man. And, uh, you know, him and his dad are kind of bonding here. I love the the drawing that they do of Aaron rest in power. You know, that's really good. Letting him tag up. It's I like fantastic. the Black Panther yeah. imagery of, of her of yeah. him at the end slapping that sticker. I was like, all right, that definitely feels like Black Panther, right? I'm not crazy. It was. Um, it definitely was. It had to be. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, and we see everybody in their respective universes. We see, you know, him, him, Noir finishing the Rubik's Cube. Uh, Spider Ham's eating a hot dog. Yeah. Did that bother anybody else? <laughs> a little bit of cannibalism there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said that to Lindsay. She's like, it might be a beef hot dog. I was like, beef hot dog, my ass. That guy's a cannibal. <laughs> I, well, I, and the funny thing is, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, I love, I love uh, Peter B. Parker and May. Uh, sorry, and MJ. No, yeah, that's great. That's that's honestly, I mean, that's really, I mean, let's just really, say that's the best one. Yeah, really touching. Well, and the funny part is like seeing seeing Spider Ham walk. There, there's a the the hot dog stand he's walking in front says Uncle Frankfurters, and apparently that's his Uncle Ben in this universe. I was reading about like there was going to be a joke about that somewhere in the it, you know when he does the not everybody lives like blah 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 kind of thing. Apparently that was going to be his joke about his uncle being like my uncle died too, but he 
made a great hot dog or something like that. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Like, I'm, like that's super weird. But they, yeah, they decided to leave it out. I'm glad they decided against that. Scene. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But this is uh, well, and this is when I'm talking about him at the end, and he puts the headphones on and he kind of starts zoning out. But then we see, you know, the universe bubble open up, and we can hear Spider Gwen saying, "Hey, you know, Miles, blah blah blah." Uh, it's like, okay, cool. So she's found some way to communicate. And travel through the dimensions. Universes, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, the thing that when he introduces himself to his roommate, I kind of got like a Ned feel from Homecoming. Did you feel that at all? Yeah, me too. Okay, I wanted to make sure. I didn't want want to be like, oh, you get a brown, somewhat Asian-looking roommate. (laughs) Of course, it must be him. Like, wait, what? I don't know. You're racist. um, (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm just terrible. Well, and that's pretty much it, except for this post-credit scene. Uh, of course, do you want to talk about this? Yeah, uh, I mean, like you know, at the mid-credits, we obviously get that amazing Stanley quote, right? Like that's fucking awesome. But at the end, um, now I, I know the voice, but who is this character, Colin? It's Spider-Man twenty something something. Yeah, well, this is uh, Miguel O'Hara. This is Spider-Man twenty ninety nine. This is one of the this is one of the cartoons that I grew up watching, but I, I didn't know who did the voice. Yeah, it's uh, fucking Oscar Isaac, dude. <laughs> oh, cool, very yeah, nice. Uh, I mean, like, uh, you know, that's that's fucking awesome. But then it's like it gets super fucking meta. Like we get some fucking meta as jokes here, dude. It is. Oh, you stop pointing. You stop. It pointing. is hilarious though. Like the way it's the way it's 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 animated. It's fantastic. I, I love it. It's a great way to cap off the film. Like which itself is very meta. Um, it, it's it's nice, man. I really like it. I've got I've got one more track to play for you. Last one. Oh god. Right, this one's called Spider Man Loves You. be my favorite honestly <laughs> it's just just the way it caps it off oh it's 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 beautiful it's fantastic i love it i love it all i fucking love this movie colin have you not realized that are you done <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch you can't let me have it can you he plays 80 tracks on the bohemian rhapsody one zoho plays oh. maybe five <laughs> Oh my, you played more in this episode than I have in like eight episodes combined. Uh. Jesus. 
<laughs> hey, fuck it. I don't. Hey, little behind the scenes. I don't edit this shit. That's true. <laughs> That's fucking true. Play whatever you want. Play the national anthem 15 times for all I care. I'll play my um, national anthem, bitch. Go ahead. Fucking God. I don't, we'd have to hear it to get some kind of reference because nobody knows what the fuck it is. Um, <laughs> let's read some comments. Fucking close up shop. Jesus Christ. That's gold. All right, let's. let's uh, we've got. We actually had two posts to pull from. It's probably best to start off with the big question, right? Like, who, who is the best Spider Man? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, honestly, I, I, I didn't even have a chance to vote in this. I totally forgot about it. Um. <clears throat> so, all right. Well, here are the results, right? So, I, I put up a few, um, a, a few options. So we had Tom Holland, right? MCU Spider Man. We had Andrew Garfield, which is the Amazing Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man Two. Tobey Maguire from the Raimi trilogy. Shamik Moore from obviously this film. <laughs> Someone added uh, John Mulaney. Um. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, and then I, I put Chris Pine and Jake Johnson just because you know I. They are they are pretty good Spider Man in this film. Like you know, for the brief time they are. So Tom Holland won um, by a mile, dude. Like he fucking destroyed this. And then it was Andrew Garfield, which surprised the fuck out of me. And then Tobey Maguire. So that was interesting. Um, I got a couple comments. So Jose Rivera, he says Tom Holland by far. Maguire was a great Peter Parker, but an okay Spider-Man. Garfield was a great Spider-Man, but not a great Peter Parker. Holland can find the right balance for both. Dude, I think I, I completely agree with that assessment. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Well, I see, and I didn't really... I haven't... Tom Holland seems like the more comic-accurate version of him. Maguire is kind of... Let's face it, that guy gets a bad rap <clears throat> for playing Spider-Man because he was like, what, 34, playing a 16, 17-year-old kid. And I get that, and that's a totally justified uh, complaint about that. But given the movies and stuff that he was in, I he'll always kind of be my Spider-Man because that's just... He was the first one that I saw. You know, Michael Keaton is Batman. Tobey Maguire is Spider-Man. These are the first people that I saw doing this, the memorable ones. You know, Eric Banis Hulk didn't really stick to me. You know, Nicolas Cage's Ghost Rider did not stick to me because those people didn't envelop a character to a point that maybe they were the first to do it, but they didn't do it so much that I can't see anybody else in the role. And I can see that with, with, with Spider-Man. I'm not saying that Tobey Maguire just did such a great job that I'll, it's not a Heath Ledger's Joker, by God. But with him, those movies were successful and they were done pretty well. And maybe Tobey Maguire is not the, the best one that we've had, but he's kind of just ends up being the one that the one that sticks for me because those movies were so well done and his relationship between Mary Jane was believable. His juggling of, of, of the life as Peter Parker and Spider-Man was really believable for me, but it, it was, it, it, I think most people's complaints are founded in the fact that he's a 35 year old man playing. And I get that. And that's totally, I think that's why they skip right the fuck out of high school when those movies start. But, I do think he does a really good job of Spider-Man. I, I don't mind Andrew Garfield. He's okay. He's just kind of meh, you know, like I, what did R R Jose say that he's a good Peter Parker, but not a great Spider-Man, I think. Is that what he said? Um, Yeah. So he said he's a great Spider-Man, but not a great Peter Parker. See, from the little bit that I saw, I liked him more as Peter Parker than I did as actually Spider-Man. Now, I think that it's kind of Tom Holland does a great job as both. And I think that's where he gets the most weight of it. But 
It's because, I mean, if they ever remake Back to the Future, Tom Holland has to be Marty McFly. He's the only person that I can honestly see in that role. But he kind of has that youth and vigor and that witty comeback kind of stuff that even when Tobey Maguire's delivering his lines, they're always still kind of flat, you know, when he's doing his jokes. But, you know, Tom Holland's voice cracks. He's very giddy about stuff. And it's I think his interpretations of Spider-Man and Peter Parker are more, are more believable than the other ones. You know what I mean? I I. I do know what you mean, and I think I agree, man. Like I see, Tobey Maguire is also my Spider-Man, but I don't think he's the best. Like I, that trilogy came out right at the exact time that I was right at the perfect age to be watching those movies, dude. Um, but that being said, I I remember while I was watching those movies, I remember thinking Peter Parker is not the is not what I'm here for. Like, I'm not really here to watch Peter Parker. Uh, I mean, like, obviously I am, but, like, uh, the things that outshine him are, A, Spider-Man, like, when he's got the fucking mask on and he's actually doing Spider-Man shit, and, B, the villains. The villains of the movies always stole those shows for me, like, those movies for me. Um, Peter Parker was always the kind of, like, boring part of it. I remember, dude, in Spider-Man 2 when I was younger, when (laughs) the landlord is, like, asking him for rent and I'm just like I am not interested in this I, I I just I just don't like this I don't like this part of it um obviously now being older and shit like I think that part of it is kind of interesting it's just like Toby Toby didn't sell it for me um and Andrew Garfield that first film is so fucking bland dude like that first amazing Spider-Man film is so fucking it, like uh, it, it doesn't, I, and I hate using this term or this phrase, but it has no reason to exist. Like you know what I mean. Like it just feels like blah. Like here we go. Uh, we 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 needed to make another movie to hold on to the rights of this fucking this fucking uh, right, character. Right. So here we go. Uh, and that that the second film in that in that franchise, dude, is garbage. That one with Jamie Foxx's Electro, so bad, dude. Um. Tom Holland is an incredible Spider-Man. Um, I, I especially in Far From Home, man. Like the get, the kid just gets it. He fucking sells it. That first scene where he's introduced in Civil War, like that is one of my favorite scenes in that entire movie, dude. Like it's so fucking good. Um, just that uh, that old J song that plays, and he's like, he's got the skateboard and shit. Like he's not the, not the skateboard. He's got that VCR. It's it's awesome. Um. I might read out a couple more comments from that post. Uh, yeah. Daniel Lambert said Garfield was a great Spider-Man and a good Peter Parker considering the age we live in now. The original Peter Parker was a wholesome teenage scientist, but no one is the, that wholesome in the internet age anymore. Andrew Garfield is the perfect Spider-Man for the 21st century. Now, I like what Daniel's saying there. I like what he's saying there, but he didn't mention anything about Spider-Man. He's talking about Peter Parker. Like I like that a lot of a lot of the issues that a lot of people have about Andrew Garfield's uh, portrayal of Peter Parker is that he's he's skateboarding and he's kind of like cool and he's he's a bit more hipster. Like that's what a lot of people have issues with. I'm I'm fine with that. I'm fine with all that stuff. Like I like the like the best part of those two movies was the chemistry between him and Emma Stone because they were dating at the time. And to be honest, that's the only memorable part of those of that that performance for me are you right there are you having a fucking wank i can hear just like <laughs> i can hear something oh, no. sh- <laughs> i was sitting there like i have a after a while like when i've got a piss my leg is just kicking 
<laughs> like I'm just like, like here my, like, shaking and shit. I was like, are you are you masturbating to the sound of my voice, dude? Like that's yeah. I knew you were doing that. Jesus Christ. Now if I'd have done that, I'd have done it through the fucking nine different tracks that you played, <laughs> and my balls would be deflated. Uh Renee Man. He says Holland because he represented a classic Stan Lee seventies Spider Man, but placed into contemporary society with new technology and current world issues. Maguire was too much of a dorky Spider Man, which is not bad as that's who he is, but it's done but it came off too cheesy and tacky, not to mention his web shooters from his skin. Okay, there's this, there's something. So I for the longest time I always thought that the um that the organic web shooters from his skin was always the Spider Man thing. Like I always thought that's how it was. He gets bitten by a radioactive spider, he gets fucking radioactive spider fucking powers. Um, it wasn't until like the the uh, Garfield movies that I was like, oh shit, he actually has to be building his web shooters. Didn't know that. Yeah, that was in the animated series I watched growing up. Like it wasn't apparently James Cameron was kicking around a script for a long time of Spider-Man way back in the day. And his contribution was the fact that his uh, web shooters were actually going to be organic. And that's what the <laughs> only thing of his script that stuck into the first Sam Raimi Maguire Spider-Man. That's interesting, man. I, I honestly had no idea about any of that shit. <laughs> Josh Josh Mitchell, dude. Fucking see, he just does a savage drive-by. Maguire is garbage, 100%. I don't like his acting in any of the movies. I sure as heck don't like him as Spider-Man. <laughs> just a fucking... <laughs> just an assault on Toby Maguire over there. It's like somebody drove by at a high speed and he just stuck his ass out the window and shit all over the front of Toby Maguire's house. <laughs> Uh, we got one from Carlos Freitas, uh, obviously a good friend over there from Hey Do You Remember. Um, he said, I don't think there's been a bad Spider-Man performance. Everyone is bringing something different to the role and doing exactly what the script calls for. Tobey Maguire is cheesy as Spider-Man because Raimi's purposely making cheesy movies. Andrew Garfield is brooding because Twilight was huge and they wanted an Edward Cullen Spider-Man. He also plays the chip on his shoulder better than any other Spider-Man. Tom Holland is adorable. He is also the only Peter Parker who realistically realistically feels like a kid, which is so integral to that character. Shamik Moore is the only Miles Morales. Like Holland, Moore's performance feels like a kid, which also is so important to the Miles character. Chris Pine is so good in just one scene that you just wish, sorry, that you wish you could watch an entire franchise of the adventures of his Spider-Man. And finally, Jake Johnson. Johnson is so good at being laugh out loud hilarious, but also being to being able to switch gears and give you a line delivery like his not bad kid at the end of the film, which personally gets me teary eyed every time. So in closing, I can't choose. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, man. I completely agree with that entire fucking rundown, dude. Um, also, there was one joke in there that we didn't get to, man. Like that fucking cracks me up all the time. And it's Jake Johnson when he's like, "Oh, that was good." Uh, he's I don't know, I can't remember, but like Miles does something, and he's like, "Do I want kids?" <laughs> oh yeah, wow! I'm really proud of you. I feel reinvigorated. Do I want kids? <laughs> one of my favorites, man. One of my favorites in the entire thing. But um, let's get to a couple comments about this movie in particular, Carlos also says, this is more than the best Spider-Man movie. This is the best superhero movie. Damn! Yeah, right. Tall order. I don't know. I don't know. But to be honest, at the same time, I can't... 
God, don't back off of it now, motherfucker. The whole episode. Spider-Man's dick in my mouth. Spider-Man's dick in my ass. <laughs> I I I think I might be I might be there with it, man. I think I might be. Like this is we live in an age of like fucking great comic book movies coming out every three months. But at the same time, like I haven't seen something with this amount of rewatchability and something that gives me this much joy in a very long time. There you go. That's awesome, man. I try. I got the next one from Joshua Mitchell. Most favorite one so far. We'll be tuning in for this one for sure. In all capital letters, by the way. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's awesome. I think this this movie has probably had the most positive feedback in the comment section from any movie that we've done, except for maybe Logan. But I mean, just nonstop positive feedback for this. It's it's absolutely fantastic. It's 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 like universal across the board, dude. Um, our boy Danny, love you, Danny. He says such a personal, refreshing take on a superhero. I was getting pretty sick about he- hearing about with a self-aware stellar soundtrack, all wrapped up as a love letter to comic book nerds. Yet people ignorant to comics like myself still somehow enjoyed the fuck out of it. This may be a solid ten out of ten. Nice. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I definitely think it's it might be a couple of like very small nitpicks here and there, but I would definitely say a 10 out of 10 for sure. I'd say a 10 out of 10 for sure as well, man. Um, I got one last one from Carlos Picatosti. Uh, I know Carlos. Uh, thank you for commenting, Carlos. Uh, he said, 100% the best Spider-Man movie made and possibly the best superhero movie ever made. They not only technologically created something beautiful and artistic, but blended the essence of the original story into a Miles Morales origin. I read all the original collections of the Spider-Verse books long before the movie release, and they somehow topped the original story and gave the other Spider-Totems a lot more personality. 9.5 out of 10. Love it. Yeah, it's great. Like I said, great feedback from everybody. Yeah, you know, don't have a problem letting us know a what they don't like or who they don't like, and b what they don't like about them. And then c not being just trolls and having the positive reinforcement of 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 this movie and what they like about it. I think that's great. It's really well rounded, really well rounded comments this time around. Absolutely, dude. And everyone like, and it's only fitting as well because it's the first time we we've talked about this iconic character, right? So it's it's great. Uh, all right, man. Let's uh, give our closing thoughts and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't really have anything else to add. I, I think this is I think this is a really good movie. I think that it's one of the few of its kind. There's not really much else I can really compare it to. Fairly, it might remind me of something here and there with hints of something else. But in in all reality, except for you know the whole Spider-Man alternate story thing, yeah, that's the or alternate reality story. That's a really good jumping point. But they took this story and they completely made it its own. They get points for originality. They get points for style. They get points for humor. They get points for heart. And I mean, that's really all, all that really needs to be said about it. It's probably probably is one of the best superhero films that's been made. Do I think this is as good as it is if you make it live action? Probably not. I, I I don't think so. I think the fact that it's animated lets this appeal to a, a mass audience of adults and children, and it also stays true to the origins of Spider-Man without getting too far away from it and getting too much into the Miles Morales thing because it's awesome that we can see we can see the fact that anybody can be Spider-Man. And I think that's kind of the point of the movie is the fact that you don't – 
you don't have to have, you know, you don't have to be like Peter in Homecoming, this amazing fancy costume with all this crazy tech and all this other stuff. Anybody could be Spider-Man, you know, and maybe that that, that might even be kind of corny and cheesy or, or what have you. But the thing about, you know, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, not Superman who will fly around the globe and, and stop anybody at any time to be able to, you know, stop a rocket from hitting a place or faster than a speeding bullet or this or that. Like Spider-Man is is real and he's awkward and he's vulnerable. And when we can relate to somebody who struggles to get to class or get to work and still pay the bills while at the same time trying to be a decent person. And I think that's something that most sane, logical people with empathy can kind of relate to. So I think it makes him a very relatable character and at the same time makes him a very believable character that helps him out a lot. So I'm going to say nine, nine out of 10, 10 out of 10, somewhere in that range. Absolutely, dude. I, I don't think uh, I've got much more to say past you because like that is... 100% hitting the nail on the head, man. Like, this is, if not the greatest superhero movie of all time, one of the greatest films of all time. And I think selling it as just another animated superhero movie is just selling it short, dude. Like, I've seen some pretty disappointing uh, animated uh, superhero movies. Like, man, um, The Killing Joke, like, that. that is not a good animated film. Like, that comic book is iconic and incredible, but they just decided, hey, let's add a fucking half an hour uh, addition to this <laughs> to this film um, that is totally irrelevant. So this is not that. This is an actual amazing, absolutely beautiful, stunning, well-crafted film full of, like, heart, humor, and heroics, dude. Like, and it's just so incredibly rewatchable, it puts a smile on my face every time and like whenever the whenever the music moments kick in like it's just it's it's moving and it's driving you and it's just this absolutely amazing piece of filmmaking and um if they do decide to sequelize it i don't know i think yes but only with phil lord and chris miller attached because those two just have an absolute touch and eye for this kind of stuff uh awesome yeah yeah i i yeah it it, it Unless you have somebody who has extremely similar stylistic choices, they need to stay the fuck away from this thing. Right. Exactly. Man, that's it. Fucking Colin, close us out of here, dude. I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this extremely long, much like my penis episode. It's been fantastic (laughs) sitting here talking about (laughs) Spider-Man. That doesn't mean nothing. I'm fucking French and Scottish. Everybody knows the French are hung. But um, <laughs> guys, thanks so much for tuning in. A lot more than the Australians. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. This has been a lot of fun to talk about. I know. Thanks for hanging in there and staying late. If you've made it this far, uh, if you guys want to reach us at all, you can send us an email, midnightdoublefeature at gmail.com. You can also find us on any of the socials, Instagram at uh, at midnightdoublefeature. You can find us on Twitter at MDFpod. You can find us on Facebook at midnightdoublefeature. We also have the group attached to that called The After Party. That's all one word. Everybody's invited. You can come and check us out, post your comments, just like we did and read them off on uh, on this episode. Please rate, review us on iTunes. Check us out. Let us know how we're doing. You can also find us on Spotify, YouTube, pretty much everywhere you get your um, – I, pretty much everywhere you get your main podcast. There, there's no reason why we shouldn't be on there. And if we're not, let us know. We'll fix that. We'll figure out some way to get our podcast in your ears. Guys, thanks so much for listening. This has been a blast. We'll catch you later. Music.